The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Marsh to left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He does. So he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. And Correa hits it in the air. Pretty deep to center, sends back here, Meyer at the wall. See you later and see you tomorrow. The Houston Astros win it in the bottom of the ninth on Correa's walk-off homer, four to three. And there will be a game six. A jubilant Astros dugout pours out to celebrate with Correa at home plate. As Correa hits his second home run of this series and six of the postseason. Correa's 17th home run in the postseason. He comes up so big in the biggest moments. Getting a huge hug from Dusty Baker right now. And the Astros have all of a sudden psychologically put a lot of pressure on this Tampa Bay Ray team. Here's Chris Townsend. You're really going to start me off with that? You're really going to start the show with that guy doing that? Are you are you trying to make me angry, Commander? Is it, wait, 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 you, you trying to poke the bear? I'm just. I'm what just, the hell are you leading this show off with that? Well, I mean, it was the biggest uh, play of the, of the day yesterday. I mean, because the Braves uh, completely just annihilated the Dodgers. So, why not start with a walk off in the series that a lot of people are paying attention to? Because the Rays were up 3 0, and uh oh, it's not 3 0 anymore. Settle, <laughs> settle, settle. This is the 39th time that a team has lost the first three games of a best of seven postseason series. The Astros are just the fourth team to get it to game six, joining the 98 Braves, 99 Mets, and of course the 2004 Red Sox, the only team to actually come back and win four in a row and take it to the World Series. That ain't happening. And they had Valdez warming up. If that doesn't happen, they're bringing in Valdez, and that's today's starter. But that's playoff baseball. That's the beauty of baseball. So today you'll line it up, Valdez up against Snell. Carlos Correa is hitting 342, six home runs, 14 RBIs, and in 11 games this postseason. Remember, he only had five home runs in 58 regular season games. He's hit more home runs in the postseason than he did the regular season. Now, some of that may be his talent. Some of that may be uh, this golf ball that they're playing with called a baseball. Yeah, the Dodgers series has been very disappointing. Not from the standpoint that I'm rooting for either of those teams. It's just... You'd like to see more competitive games. And the Dodgers just have not, they haven't brought their A game. It's bottom line. Braves won 5-1. 
first game, second game, Braves won eight to seven, but that had to be a major comeback in the end. Dodgers really didn't do anything in that game till the very end. Dodgers didn't come out, whoop them 15 to three. Oh, they're back. And then the Braves beat them last night, 10 to two. So really this series hasn't been all that competitive. And really, if the Dodgers didn't make that stand in game two, uh, every game's been, you know, kind of a blowout. I mean, 5-1, I mean, that's that's not good. 10-2? I tell you what, we've learned some things here in this postseason. And I can tell you the one thing that I have learned is that this Atlanta Braves team is far better. And we talked to Ron Washington, friend of the program yesterday, former A's coach. You've learned just how athletic these guys are. The Braves, you know, because, like, you know, we worked every day. This was a season where I've probably watched less other teams than ever before. Because you just, when, when you we were working every day. And when you're working every day, it's tough to, you know, these long hours. It's tough to be watching teams on the East Coast and the Central. You know, we focus so much just on the teams you're playing and the teams you got to beat in your division. So a lot of focus was just watching. If you're watching any other baseball, it was teams on the West Coast. Commander, would you agree that this is a year you've probably watched less other teams than the A's than ever before just because – we were essentially, I mean, for me, I did all 60 games. Yeah, I agree with that because we were working so much and paying attention because the team was trying to win the ALS for the first time since uh, 2013. So we were kind of invested in that the whole time. And for me, being you know a guy that grew up watching the National League, the team I grew up watching stunk. So I didn't, I didn't really pay attention to uh, a lot of stuff going on in the National League. Like I knew the Braves were talented, and, I, and obviously everyone knows how good the Dodgers are. Uh, I, the only team I really paid attention to a lot in the National League was – my COVID Marlins, because I said they would make the postseason, and then they lost their first series ever in franchise history. But, yeah, I feel like I, less baseball around the league was probably watched by a lot of people because so many more people are focusing on their regional teams, like their teams in their own market. So, I mean, I, I felt like I watched a little more Giants baseball sometimes, too, than I did ever before because the games were always on at the same time. So going back and forth in commercials, it was interesting. Yeah, I feel like watching around the league overall was way down for me as well. So I, I, I didn't I didn't realize how athletic these guys are. The Braves are a scary team. And if you remember, Buster Olney on this program, I said you can take stock in any team other than the Dodgers. Who would it be? And he chose the Atlanta Braves. And now you know why. This team is tough. So it is looking, unless there's some major comeback, it's going to be a Braves up against the Rays. Braves and Rays. This is what we got going today. Dan Shulman, play-by-play man for ESPN. He's calling Rays Astros. He's also the voice of the Blue Jays. Uh, and he's going to break. Let me tell you, we taped this earlier. He's in Bristol. Something very interesting about the, the border between the United States and Canada that could really affect baseball, the NBA, and the NHL. We'll get into that with Dan Schulman at 1.30. The all-star, Liam Hendricks, your closer, will be here at 2 o'clock. The skipper, Bob Melvin, the Bob Melvin Show, will be at 2.30. We'll have the build with Dave Cavill. What's going on in Dave Cavill's world? 
What's he working on? What's his expectations for the offseason? You know, closing deals and getting over hurdles to get this new ballpark going. We'll talk to Dave Cavill at 3 o'clock. And then at 3.30, Dodgers and Dodgers TV play-by-play man, Joe Davis, also works for Fox. So if this thing can go to seven games there in Arlington, he'll have game seven. He'll be – Joe Buck will go do football, and Joe Davis will step in for him if there is a game seven. So Shulman at 1.30. Hendricks at 2, Melvin at 2.30, Cavill at 3, Davis at 3.30. Commander Cody, how are you? And congratulations, that's one hell of a lineup. Thank you. I'm doing well. It's Friday, which is it's so weird being that it feels like we've only been on the – it feels like we've been on the air, uh, well, I guess two days now. So I'm looking forward to these games tonight. There's a little bit of history in this Braves-Dodgers game. A.J. Minter is going to start for the uh, for the Braves. He's typically a reliever. He's going to be the first, this is according to Live Sports Bureau, not me, the actual Sports Bureau. He'll be the first pitcher to make his Major League debut in a playoff game for the Braves tonight. So it looks like they're going potential opener. And remember, this is a Braves team that has a lot. All their starters mainly are rookies for them. So uh, they've, done a, they've done a hell of a job against the Dodgers, so I'm looking forward to that. But the, the Rays-Astros game, can, can my good friend Cashy and the Rays just close it out? Can, can they close it out and get to their second World Series appearance and – 12 years after going in 08. And can someone get Randy Arena out? Because those are two things I'm looking for. Arena. How many hits does he have already? I think he's at 20. He's two away from Jeter. So that, that, that's, that's insane. The guy's hitting like over 400 in the postseason, I believe. Uh, that, that's incredible. And this is a guy that only played like 23 games in the, in the regular season. So a lot of good storylines that are going on in baseball. I'm looking forward to these games tonight, seeing if the – Braves and uh, Rays can move on. Rosarena has six home runs that ties with Evan Longoria, 2008, for the most ever by a rookie in a single postseason. His 20 hits are tied with Chipper Jones in 1995 for third most. Yet Guriel had 21 in 2017, and Jeter had 22 in 1996. He's hitting 381 three dingers, and has scored five runs in this series. And if they can bring it home, you heard it here first, he could become the first rookie position player ever to win MVP honors in the LCS or World Series. That I did not know. That's news to me, too. I did. I mean, you think of how many good rookie. I mean, well, Juan Soto wasn't a rookie last year either, but – just think of how many guys that have done this, but no one's done it like a Rosarena. He's been – he was a guy that was pretty much like a throw-in in the Cardinals deal when they sent one of their top pitching prospects to the Cardinals for Jose Martinez, which I think he's hurt. He hasn't even played. And then they got a Rosarena who came back and played 23 games and in the regular season, but he's been a stud for them in the postseason. It's incredible to see what he's done and tagging him in with that outfield they have with Kiermaier and Meadows and, and uh, Manuel Margot. Like – they. That's what the Rays do. They find these guys, and they plug them in, and they hit. Their best hitter, Brandon Lau, is struggling. If it wasn't for Randy Arozarena, I think they're hitting under 200 as a team overall, which isn't good, but they're hitting in clutch times. Like you saw G-Man Choi hit that home run for them in the eighth inning, or seventh inning, they came out which inning. It was him, but he hit the home run to tie the game, and then obviously they lose. I, I, more surprising is Correa hit that home run off Nick Anderson, who everyone thinks – a lot of people think he's the best reliever in baseball. Uh it's tough for me to say he is, but he's he's a very 
good shutdown closer. But last night he showed that uh, he maybe not, and Correa got him. And now Correa is tied for most home runs by shortstop in the postseason with friend of the program, Rich Aurelia in 2002. So a lot of uh, numbers being put up by a lot of guys in the postseason, which is good to see. And a lot of guys, I mean, like the guy Bryce Wilson, who? Who? You know, we've taught, it, it, it's, you know, there, there's so many ways you can do it. I mean, ideally, you'd like to have a bunch of stud starting pitchers. You know, you think about guys, the teams that have won because of their starting pitching. Just go back to last year, the Washington Nationals. What was the year the uh, the White Sox won? Was that 05? Yeah, 2005, the year after the Red Sox won for the first time in 80-something years. Every one of their starters finishing off games. I mean, they were incredible. But you, you, you're in a survivor pool now. I mean, with, with the way these playoffs have gone, I mean, it, it's it, 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 there's no one way to do it. You know, they're starting Clayton Kershaw. You're starting Bryce Wilson. Who do you think is going to win that game? Well, the, the Braves. Now, if you're watching that game and it just shows you why you don't want to live in Texas, you are in a dome stadium. And did you see the wind whipping around? Can you imagine what it was actually like outside that stadium? Texas is awful. No offense to you Texans. Texas is awful. Because, you know, when I say no offense, that means I can then say whatever I want. No disrespect, but we don't like your state (laughs) for the weather. (laughs) When I was there last, that's when they had the storms come through. So my, my buddy at the time was running country clubs up in Plano. They had a tornado. He has the video. They had the the kids in the shop took the video of the tornado whipping through the golf course. If you remember, the A's plane, the the stairs were blown into the A's plane into the wing. We had to get another plane to get to Tampa. Like the skies turned dark and nasty, and then all of a sudden they got the players off the field, and it was pouring rain, and it was lightning. It's like, yeah, no wonder it's cheap to live here. I I could not believe watching that game the way the wind was swirling. The wind had to come down into the stadium and swirl like that. That's how bad the wind is in Texas. And I know a big question today is, well, it's a retractable roof. What the hell are you doing? Well, since they have fans in the ballpark and everybody's trying to be careful because of COVID-19 and it being droplets in the air, and that's how the virus gets to other people, you know, figuring that having it open will protect the people more in the stadium. I don't know if that's science. I don't know if that works. But that's unless it rains, that roof is going to be open. Have you checked and done your homework today? on Arlington, Texas weather, Cody, and how that could affect the game. Well, let's just do it real quick. Weather in Arlington. Right now in Arlington, Texas, it's saying it's 70 degrees out with 21% humidity, and the wind's only at 8 miles an hour. So at 316 local time, it's 70 degrees with 8-mile-per-hour winds. The game tonight is what, like, I think it's at 6 our time, so 8 in the central, and it's like 9 o'clock at night for the East Coast. If you're a Braves fan, a young kid wanting to see the Braves 
clinched their first, uh, I must say, Super Bowl, World Series berth since 1999. That has to be awful. I know it's a Friday night, but still, if you're a kid and you're like, I can't wait to watch my favorite team maybe clinch a World Series berth, the game's on at 9 o'clock at night. I mean, I know a lot of people right. complain about the, the timing for these games, but, I mean, people, I mean, you have to, I mean, we all adjusted for this season. So, you know, it's a Friday night. Mom, Dad, let the kids stay up till midnight to watch maybe the Braves clinch their first World Series berth since 99. You've heard me talk about this for a long time. What is best for the A's? Is it best to play earlier so so more people can experience the game? Or is it best to play at 7 o'clock, 7.07? I can tell you for a long time, my kids, still to this day, my, my kids are not staying up. You know, they got school the next day. They may be going to bed now around 10. But, you know, you're trying to build this 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 fan base. There's 29 other teams doing the same thing. And you're playing these games late. What are you doing that for? I mean, I, I'll never forget doing Warriors. And the, the ticket, you know, your ticket says it starts at 730. Oh, no, 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 no. By the time they do all the fireworks and the those guys run out with the flags and then the, here comes the cheerleaders and then they got to announce the teams at guard from Davidson as F. Curry. By the time they tip off like 747. Think about that. You're tipping off closer to eight than you are 730. And I just always like, man, how many? These little kids can't stay up. This game's going to go to about a little bit after 10 o'clock. I don't get it why sports it. Like, I've really enjoyed these early start times that we had this year. You know, maybe that's something to uh, remind me we can bring up with Dave Cavill. What, what, what have we learned from 2020 that's useful, that's good? Start times? Earlier, I mean, wasn't nice games being over like at nine o'clock? And if they run late, nine thirty, not not you know because we're playing longer games than ever before, so not being done at like ten twenty or close to eleven o'clock. I found that enjoyable. I think the extra innings rule, no question, is staying. I, I I am not I am not a fan. If you want to do this, if you want to go, all right, I'll give you the I'll give you the tenth and the eleventh inning. We'll play regular baseball. I'm gonna give you the tenth and the eleventh. But if you can't get it done by the eleventh inning, we're putting a guy out there on second base. Sorry. That 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 this is staying because you know why? It, it doesn't wreck your teams. These games that go 15 innings and everybody goes, ah, oh, you can't change. That's baseball. It's great for base. No, it's not. Look how many people are in the stands in the 16th inning. There's nobody. There's nobody watching on television. The ratings go down. Radio, rating. No one's there. So you may say you like it, but I can show you proof that the normal audience doesn't put the guy on second base. Universal DH. That's here to stay. I think there's no question that that's here to stay. 
And that's something that the players union, I guarantee you. I mean, you think about Ozuna, four for five yesterday, two jacks, four RBIs. This was a National League game. He wouldn't be hitting. I mean, the Dodgers are a team that they are they are definitely built to have a DH. Rios went deep for them. So I I for me, the DH is gonna be a great as we're heading into a new collective bargaining agreement, I think the DH is going to be something that I think there's a lot of stuff that Rob Manfred, we call him Robbie around here because he's a friend of the program. I think he has a lot to offer. I think he has a lot to offer the players without them, without them complaining. I mean, we're going to add a DH, which means we're adding another position player to the National League, another high-paying job in the National League. You like that? We want to expand to two more teams. So that means two more big league rosters and two more minor leagues. You know, all this talk about getting rid of minor league teams? That's adding more minor league teams. How's the Players Union not going to want that? They're going to talk about expanded playoffs. That means more of their players are going to be in the postseason. How's the players union not going to like that? Majority of all your star players have contracts. Give me a star. Give me a star player right now that doesn't have a contract. George Springer, but he's a free agent going into this offseason. But okay, uh, I mean Bellinger just hit his first year of arbitration, so but he doesn't count. Yeah, they don't have to pay him yet. He yeah. doesn't count. If I'm thinking of like free agent guys, uh, JT Romuto. Is another one. So Springer and JT Romuto. I said star players. Hey, he's probably the best hitting catcher in baseball. Uh, people don't pay to see him. I'm talking Mookie Betts. I'm talking Bryce Harper. I'm talking Mike Trout. I'm talking oh. Manny Machado. Hey, we, this Garrett came, Cole. There was a rumor that came out the other day that the Padres are talking with Tatis about an extension already. So there's another guy that could be locked up. So you can have those guys in San Diego together for a while, and you're right. Like all these guys have contracts. The only guy that really doesn't, it's a star, is uh, George Springer, and I guess maybe if you want to go the Astros route, Carlos Correa because he's a free agent after next year. Lindor, but other than that, most Lindor's of the, not. A free, but these guys aren't free agents. Yeah, he's a free you, agent you, next you'd year. Be, you'd be giving it to them, but they're not. They don't have to pay them yet. You know, that's the whole thing. I mean, I, I had the one phone call. You know, I, I took literally over 50 calls after the last game. And one guy called up. As in, They're going to rip it apart. I know it. I've seen this before. Did you hear that? Did you ever hear that call? I don't know if you were listening to the post. I mean, I listened to a lot of it, but um, if you, I'm sure I've heard it. I went, what? I'm like, what are you talking about? They're going to get rid of everybody. We're the farm system to the Yankees. I went, I went Dude, what are you in? Tw- you in two thousand? This isn't Moneyball. Name me. Name, who, who's who's the guy for the A's that left the A's? He's playing on the Yankees right now. Um, well, Sonny Gray's not there anymore, so no one. Uh, who 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 they farm system? What are you talking about? What what great A's player has gone to the Red Sox? This isn't Moneyball two thousand two, bro. They're going to rip it apart. No, they're not. They're not getting rid of Chapman. They're not getting rid of Olsen. They're not getting rid of their core. They're not. Who will they bring back? I think they bring – I mean, because 
literally the two guys you look at as free agents for the A's are Marcus Simeon and Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks, who will join the program today. Right? I mean, Listella, but Listella's not – if you go like A, B, C, Listella's not in the A group. Marcus Simeon and Liam Hendricks are in the A group. And I would bet if there's one guy that they will really try and re-sign, will probably be Marcus Simeon. And there's going to be money there because if you don't bring back Fires and you don't bring back Soria, I want to say that probably adds up close to around $15 million. Yeah, because I think, I think so- Soria was like $8 million, I think, he It wasn't until like 2 for 16 when they initially signed him. I think Sori is like seven point five or something, and 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 Fires is seven something. So it's around fifteen million dollars. That's right there, money you got for for Marcus. And add to that. And I'm not going to be shocked if Marcus Simeon, because you know who wants to stay with the Oakland Athletics, probably the most important person. Do you know who that is? I would say Marcus. Mrs. Simeon. I mean, if you make him a nice offer, I mean, let's face it. I don't know what the number is. But once you get past, I mean, if someone offers you $80 million and you're happy, you know, it's like, what's his name in uh, Milwaukee? Yelich. Christian Yelich. I love how these people go. Oh my God, he could have got so much more. How much did he got? He got what? Two hundred million? I think yeah. I was saying. I think it was two sixteen or something like that over nine years or something he like got that. Got two hundred and sixteen million dollars, and he's happy. And you're criticizing. It's it's like Acuna Junior. got a, a hundred million plus, and people are like, oh, he could have got way more. Someone just gave him a hundred million dollars. Yeah. The the only one that people ever complained about was the Ozzy Albies deal because he took like five for thirty five million. That's still seven million million dollars. That's seven million dollars a year. <laughs> these guys grew up on dirt streets, and now you're giving them millions. That's life changing money. So I mean, hopefully, you know, that's what we're gonna see. I feel bad for Marcus. I feel bad for all these free agents. I mean, having to go to free agency at this time in your career. I mean, that's just, that's rough. All right, we're getting you ready. Is, is today the day the Astros go home? Is this the day that they get buried? The man who's calling the game nationally for ESPN, friend of the program, and also the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Dan Schulman's going to join us. And I can tell you this, towards the end of the interview, how professional sports is going to work between Canada, the United States, and the border, who's allowed in and who's not, this is really interesting. Dan Schulman next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, before we get to Dan Schulman... What did you just send me from the sporting news? So the sporting news had, they released their AL and NL All-Stars. It was voted on by AL executives and NL executives. And the AL, uh, I want to say the reliever, closer of the uh, the National, uh, the American League team, the relief pitcher, was none other than A's closer, Liam Hendricks. 
So there you go. Liam Hendricks, voted on by AL Executives, Sporting News All-Star, relief pitcher Liam Hendricks. So we can ask him about that at 2 o'clock when he joins us. So uh, Salvi Perez behind the dish, Jose Abreu at first, DJ LeMahieu at second, Ramirez at third. He had a great year. Anderson at short. Couple White Sox. Uh, where do they play? The South Side. The South Side of Chicago. Where have I heard that before? Uh, some guy named Trout. You got Springer. You got Hernandez. Old man Nelson Cruz is your DH. Shane, don't call me Justin Bieber as your pitcher. And Liam Hendricks as the closer. There any uh is there anybody that shocks you on the National League side? Yes. Uh I guess a little bit. Grom, how do you get in there? Well, I was gonna say the one that shocked me is uh Donnie Barrels, Donovan Solano, the second baseman of the Giants, is the all star. Um, I mean, he had a good year. I'm not going to take it away from him. He had a really good year, but never would have thought in a million years I'd see Donovan Solano being named an All-Star by NL executives. But he had a he had a really good year. I was would have been more would have been would have uh, been more surprised to not see uh, Mike Yastrzemski's name on here for see any Giant. But Solano had a great year, so you know, kudos to him. But you yeah, know that's the problem there. Any any like 32 mm. or 33? Yeah, most of the Giants. He's old. Most of the Giants' big core players they're building on for the future are all 29 and older. Oh, they're all 30. They're all in their 30s. Yeah, I think I think Solano might be the former Marlon Donovan Solano. I think he's like – he might be 31. You might be right. He is 32 years old. He'll be 33 in December. <laughs> I nailed that. That was, that was good. I knew I knew he was right around that because when the – remember when the A's had those those great comebacks against the Giants? Yeah. And, you know, you know you're, you're looking at the Giants, and I'm just looking at this – I was looking at the roster going, how does somebody rebuild and get older? Like that, that I that, like that's like that's unheard of. That you say, okay, we're gonna switch things up here, and we're gonna go, we're gonna try and get better, and our farms. Wait a minute, everybody you got is thirty and older. Posey's not even there. If Posey would have been there, it's Posey. Thirty. He's like 32, 33. Yeah, he's thirty-two, I think. The, like the youngest. I mean, how do you rebuild and get older? I, I've never, I've never even heard of that. Yeah, the, their two youngest guys, I think, were Joey Bart, a catcher. And then Austin Slater, when he played in the outfield, was young. And Dubon's pretty young. But other than that, everywhere else you look, Belt, Crawford, Solano, Longoria, uh, you know, Alex Dickerson, all these guys they were using, they're all old. So, I don't – you're right. I, how many times have you seen a team rebuild and get older instead of younger? But, hey, they almost made the playoffs, so. Hey, uh, now that you've seen it, and this is obviously unfair, but that's what we do here on this show. Would you buy stock in Joey Bart? I would. I think it's it was too too early because so many guys weren't hitting last year that we saw so many guys struggle. I think it's – how can I put this without sa- sounding like someone that's going to say this? Small sample size for Joey Bart. What? Is that a small <laughs> sample size? 60 games? Well, he didn't play in all 60. He got called up after like – I forgot how many games. But uh, I still need get to give him time. I know a lot of people are like they don't think he he will play catcher next year though they're like well do you take playing time away from Buster Posey he's supposed to be the future of your franchise how are you not gonna let him catch? <laughs> All right, earlier today we caught up with Dan Schulman who is Canadian, so he's gonna have a rough time. I mean, getting back into the country 
his own country. And this is kind of a, you know, we're going to get into, we'll get into, uh, we'll get into the game he's calling tonight. Uh, obviously weird calling a game from Bristol, Connecticut when it's in San Diego, California at Petco Park. But we'll get into that. We'll get into the other series. But then it gets, it gets, it gets real in this interview where we talk about basically the border's closed. And what he's going to have to do when he gets back, he's going to immediately have to quarantine when he goes back to his home in Canada. So how's that going to work for the NBA? How's that going to work for the Raptors? How's that going to work for the Blue Jays? How's that going to work for hockey? American teams can't go into Canada. How they, I don't know. And, and, and has the NHL even talked about when they're going to start up again? Yeah, Barry, uh, during the draft, Commissioner Gary Bettman said they plan on starting on Jan one. So the, the new year is when hockey plans on getting their season. You going. think you think the border's going to be open for Canada? The United States Canadian border is going to be open by Jan one? Probably not. No. So well, that's. Oh, so, how are the Sharks going to go play in Edmonton? Or, how are they going to play in Vancouver or Calgary? Anywhere, Toronto, Toronto, Winnipeg, Montreal. Oh, we're forgetting one. There's seven. Ottawa. Ottawa. There you go. We got all seven don't, Canadian don't, teams. Don't you ever question my hockey knowledge. And then, I once drank beers with Wayne Gretzky at the AT&T. I told that story on this program before. One of the greatest stories ever. We're, we're in the tap room, if you know Pebble Beach. Normally, the tap room is just a quiet little place where, you know, it's usually not packed. You know, you, you have lunch or you can get dinner there after your round. You know, it's one of the restaurants right in there. Uh, it's really like a bar, but it's kind of like a restaurant. Real, But during the AT&T, it's slammed. There's a line out the door. You can't get in. There'll be – that's where I saw Donald Trump. I actually met Donald Trump and interviewed him at the tap room. He wasn't the president then. He was just Donald Trump. Uh I'm at the bar. I I, get, I I look over and I have two beers, and there my brother is arm in arm with Wayne Gretzky, arm in arm. And I was like, if I could have had, you know, back then I don't think we had. Did I have cell phone then? I don't even know if I had a cell phone then. Yes, I probably did have cell, but I only had a camera. But I was like, if I could, it would have been the greatest picture ever. My brother and Wayne Gretzky all liquored up together, arm in arm, like they've been buddies forever. It was the best. Oh, the AT&T's the best. Here is my conversation with play-by-play man on the national play-by-play on ESPN for game six between the Astros and the Rays, one of the best play-by-play guys in the business, Dan Schulman. Well, Dan, it's been a wild series so far from from Petco and uh, thought that the Astros were in big-time trouble, but they got knocked down, and they, they've gotten up off the deck, and they continue to fight. Uh, it's got to be a fun series to call on ESPN. Yeah, it really is. And I know a lot of people, especially probably your listeners, are big Astro fans, but, <laughs> you know, what they've done the last couple of games excuse me, has been pretty impressive. You know, to hang on and win game four, to walk off game five, to be doing it with all these rookie pitchers, um, Really, all of the games have been close, and if you take out the Altuve throwing errors, Houston might have won this series already. They certainly would be leading in the series, so uh, it has been a lot of fun. And I try to be neutral at all times. I just like good games, and we're having good games. You know, the the fact is, and you know, it, it's tough for us to say it because we just look like whiners when we say it. But the reality is, 
No fans in the ballpark really saved the Astros season. It saved them in the postseason. We remember talking to Richard Justice from MLB.com, who's covered this team for years, saying, you know, they looked absolutely worn out at the end of spring training. And what was that going to be like when they had to go on the road? But no fans, they've benefited. And, you know, I mean, you, you got to give them credit. They continue to win. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I don't know how anybody would argue that point. Like, to me, that's not even opinion. I think that's fact, that had there been fans in the stands this year, and had it been a 162-game season, uh, I think it really, really would have taken a toll on the Astros. Um, but a short season, no fans, neutral parts now in the postseason, I think they've benefited from all of those things. And the only thing I would say is it's not like, Cheating made Altuve great, or cheating made Correa very good, or cheating made Springer. Very, they were all. They have a lot of really good players, and they cheated. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Altuve was great before all of this started. So they've still got an experienced, talented core of position players um, who are playing pretty well right now. They didn't hit much at all the first couple of games, but they're they're playing better. Um, but there, there's no question that I, I think it would have been a totally different set of circumstances for them had there been fans in the stands all year. Well, and then you just think about how mental this game is. I mean, we've only seen one team, and we've talked about at nauseum, about the Red Sox in 04 and Dave Roberts, the biggest stolen base probably in the history of the game. No team's ever come back from down 03. So does the pressure now go on to the Tampa Bay Rays because they were up 3-0 and they've now lost two in a row? Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, in game four, it was like, OK, if they lose one, it's still three to one. And then I thought, you know, Houston had a lead yesterday, but Tampa Bay clawed back, eventually tied it, deeper bullpen, more rested. I thought as soon as Tampa Bay tied it, they're going to win the game. Um, and had Houston not won it in the bottom of the ninth, they were going to their starter, Framber Valdez, for today. They were going to him in extra innings. Like it might be the case that Houston had to win the game in the bottom of the ninth or they were done. But they did. Correa hits the home run off the best guy that the Rays have in Nick Anderson. But I think all the pressure is on Tampa Bay right now, and I think a lot of it's on Blake Snell. They need a decent outing out of him. Uh, I don't know if they need an overpowering outing out of him, but, you know, Valdez is very good, uh, as you know, as you saw this year. Lance McCullers Jr., I thought, was nails in his start um, in, the, in game two of this series. And all the pressure's on Tampa Bay. If you're the team that was up three to nothing, I don't know how the pressure isn't on you. Plus, they were the favorite. They were the one seed coming in. They were 40 and 20. Houston was 29 and 31. So, you know, if Houston gets out to a lead uh, in the middle innings today, it really starts to get tight for the Rays. The only thing is Houston's bullpen's been used a lot. And none of Dusty's best guys are really fresh. Maybe one of them, Javier, because he didn't pitch last night. Tampa Bay's still fresher in the pen. But if Houston gets out to a lead, this one gets really interesting. Yeah, we've talked so much all year long about the Rays and Kevin Cash and how they utilize their entire roster. But I think you just said it best right there. This is a time where they need their starter to go deeper into a game and not solely rely on, well, we got all these bullpen arms. Right. Uh, and, and deeper might just mean six, right? I mean, it's 2020. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's expecting him to go seven or eight. I don't think anybody's gone more than seven in the playoffs. And, and I know there have only been three games in the playoffs where both starting pitchers have gone six innings, which is crazy. But, you know, that's the, that's the era that we live in right now. But, you know, Snell was good in game one, five innings, only one run, but he threw 105 pitches. And so they had to take him out after five innings. And he can be overpowering, but his command can come and go. And 
he's their guy, their game one starter, their former Cy Young Award winner. Like he's their guy, and it's uh, they need a, a decent start out of him because I don't think that Kevin Cash. I, I think you know he'd go to Anderson again. He's got Pete Fairbanks. He really wants to get to Diego Castillo. I think that's the guy that he wants to get to at the end of the game if the game is on the line of the proper matchups. And for him to to manage his bullpen the way that he wants to, he's got to get at least five, hopefully six, out of Blake Snell. You know, Dan, I don't want to sound like uh, get off my lawn like I'm some old guy, but isn't it sad? We're like, can't you at least give me six? Can't we get <laughs> two guys to start the game to go six innings? I know. I, I'm a little bit like that, too. And I and, and I don't think it's get off my lawn. It, you know, part of the allure of the sport to me as a kid, this is how old I am, was opening up the newspaper and looking at the starting pitchers matchups for the day because they meant something. There aren't as many of those matchups that mean something now. Um, you know, hitters have done a great job. They foul off more pitches um, and, and pitch counts just are higher now than they used to be. You know, in the old days, guys didn't want to strike out. The ball was in play more. Uh, pitchers didn't throw 98. You got a little. You got a lot of earlier outs. You got a lot of earlier hits. You got a lot of quicker resolutions in at bats, and guys could get through a game throwing 95 or 100 pitches. Now they can't get through six innings throwing 95 or 100 pitches. So, uh, like I love the sport. I always have. I always will. But some of the stuff that I liked the best is gone now. And those are the big starting pitching matchups. I love speed. I love defense. They're still great. They're still important, but they're not as important as they used to be. You know, this series is a little bit of an exception because the Rays have been phenomenal defensively, certainly in the first three games that they were, but the ball's not in play as much anymore. When the ball's not in play, I think you lose, you know, some of the beauty of the game. What is your take on the NLCS where Atlanta now leads the Dodgers 3-1 in that series? I think the Braves have been the best story in the playoffs, and, and I was totally wrong on them. I didn't think they'd get by Cincinnati. I, I thought Cincinnati, with the pitching they had with Bauer and Castillo and Gray, they never even got, even got to Gray. I, I thought that you know they beat Atlanta, and Atlanta, if I'm remembering correctly, not only swept them, they shut them out in both both games, and, and then they threw two shutouts in the division series as well. You know what Max Fried and Ian Anderson have done, young pitchers like that to lead this kind of injury riddled rotation is amazing because I know like a lot of people, I thought, well, if only they had Mike Soroka, boy, they really could have had a good playoff. They're doing this without Mike Soroka, who probably would have been their number one guy uh, had he been healthy. Uh, they can really hit like they are. They are every bit as good offensively as Dodgers or Yankees or White Sox or whoever else you wanted to talk to from this year. And the Dodgers just, it's amazing. Every single year, they're the best team in baseball on paper and every single year something goes wrong in the playoffs. And I know there's a lot of Kershaw talk, and I know he wasn't, you know, the sixth inning obviously didn't go well for him last night. This is more than just Kershaw. Like, there's something to the narrative. I get it. He hasn't been as good as he's been over the course of his career. He's also not prime Kershaw anymore, but uh, it's it's more than that. I mean, they have other holes. You know, Bueller's got a blister, so he can't go as deep. Jansen's not who he was anymore, so that's changed their the roles in the bullpen. And other than a couple of enormous innings, the ninth inning of game two and obviously the first inning of game three, they haven't hit the ball very well. Like Bryce Wilson comes out and holds them to one hit in six innings. That's not Kershaw's fault. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of things that they're not doing well right now, and they're really up against it. You know, I want to get your perspective on the season, and we had a lot of fun talking about the Blue Jays become the Baby Jays, and they became the Buffalo Jays. Uh, we joked that they were the best team at one point in the state of New York. 
And I just think, you know, there, there's certain teams, I think about the Marlins, I think about the Cardinals, because uh, all the positive tests for COVID-19. I think of the Blue Jays. You're not allowed to play in your home stadium. You're not allowed to play in your country. You got no idea where you're going to play. And the fact that the Blue Jays made the playoffs, I know they were the eighth seed. I don't care. I think what a, what a victory that was for that franchise with everything they had to go through. Yeah, I agree with you, and obviously I'm, I might be a little bit biased because I call their games, but you know, and I, and I get that people were making jokes uh, about it, and you know, that might have been more directed like the Mets and the Yankees when they were struggling, but like, like they did go through a lot. I mean, for some of them, um, you know, they rented apartments, couldn't stay in them. Families didn't know whether they could come or go. All kinds of rules that they had. They were quarantined at the Rogers Center for 17 days during summer camp. Couldn't leave the ballpark. Uh, for 17 days. Then they thought they'd be in Pittsburgh. Then they thought they'd be in Baltimore. And, and it just didn't work out. And, and they could have crumbled. You know, they could have they could have just kind of packed it in mentally. And they didn't. And that's worth something. That, to me, is a very good sign going forward about this team, that they kind of persevered, did it in the East, where, you know, schedules are tough like they were in the West. It's not like they were playing in the Central or anything like that. And, and um you know, won the games they had to win to get into the playoffs. And they weren't a great team. They're flawed. They're young. They're frustrating. But they're also exciting and talented and improving. And I think the fact that they got to the playoffs was big for them this year. My biggest concern, to be honest, going forward is I'm not sure the border is going to be open by April of next year. And it's really got kind of got to be open or they've got to get an exception by, like, February. You've got to know what's going on. And it's one thing to do it for two months. It's another thing to, to get the word that, okay, you got to do it again. And if they had to play, I don't know if it would be Buffalo again or if they would make some alternate arrangement, I really don't know. I think it would be really hard for six months. They, they need to, to be in their ballpark. But, you know, that's, that's up to the virus and that's up to the Canadian government. And I, and I totally respect the government wanting to be as careful as they can with things. So, you know, for a million different reasons, I'm hoping things are a lot better in the next few months. Yeah, let's end on this because we had the commissioner on, Rob Manfred, uh, during the playoffs, and I asked him about the offseason, and he said point blank that the virus will dictate how the offseason goes. And so we're just not talking about baseball. You know, hockey can't do a full season in the bubble. The NBA can't do a full season in the bubble. So you got the American teams, uh, you know, how are they going to be able to play in Canada, vice versa? Uh, whether you're talking about the Raptors or the, the NHL. I mean, if they don't open the border, I, I don't know what these sports are going to do. Yeah, the Raptors are in the same boat as the Blue Jays and maybe even tougher because they would have to start earlier. So the Raptors could spend the whole year playing on the road. And, and um, I think it would be easier to find an arena that would be suitable than a ballpark that would be suitable. But I might be wrong there. Um, the hockey thing is even more complicated, I guess, because there there are seven Canadian teams. Like, what if you just have a Canadian division, right? What if the Canadian teams just play each other for the entire regular season, whatever that is, and then you have three other divisions, uh, and you and then you bubble for the playoffs. So that that might actually be a solution for them because you've got seven teams. But uh, I'll tell you, there are some great things about being Canadian. I love being Canadian. <laughs> But there are some complicated things, too. And, you know, I'm, I'm going through some of them on a personal level. I'm in Connecticut right now for the playoffs for ESPN Radio. And when I go back to Canada, when I'm done, i got to isolate for two weeks. If, I, if my son wants to go to school, I can't isolate my house. So I've actually, like, rented a place for a couple of weeks when I get home. 
so my son can keep going to, to school. And that, you know, it's a decision my wife and I made. What's more important, him going to school or me being in the house? And she booted me out. So he's going to school. So, <laughs> so I'm going to rent a place for a couple of weeks. But, you know, again, this, these are uncharted waters and everybody's trying to just do the best they can in these complicated times. Well, I'm glad he's able to go to school because where we are here in Northern California, we've been on lockdown since mid-March. So my yeah. kids right now are doing high school from my living room. My my wife's a first grade teacher and she's doing it on Zoom. We haven't been able to go to a restaurant. We, I mean, we're, we're like the most locked down. So I, I, I feel you. I, it's what, And to think that you're in Bristol calling a playoff game at Petco Park in San Diego is just crazy. But let me tell you, you're one of the best in the business. I love listening to you. And it's always an honor to have you on the program we really appreciate it be well be safe and have a good call today all right i appreciate that same to you take care truly one of the great voices uh in our game at one point was doing sunday night baseball dan shulman as good as it gets uh college basketball on espn he does a bunch of stuff but i mean i'm not saying we're breaking news but I'm just saying, if you listen to this show, you're not going to hear that kind of stuff anywhere else in Northern California. You're not. You're going to just hear Jimmy G, Jimmy G, Jimmy G, Jimmy G, Niners, 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 Niners. Warriors. Now that LeBron's gone. Should the Warriors trade for Giannis? Dwight Howard to the Warriors? Finally? Yeah, all those years I, later. I, I want that's that. Think about that. He's gonna have to get an apartment. You know, you got to go like VRBO and get an apartment for two weeks, not being able to see his wife, not being able to see his kids, just so his kid can still go to school. That's how tough the Canadian government is being right now, and they're they're they've locked it up against the United States. What the hell are the Blue Jays? Are the Blue Jays going to be playing? I mean, at least they. Well, how about this? Maybe the Blue Jays can't play there because their minor league team is going to play there. Or maybe they get to a point to where you take your AAA team and you put your AAA team at your um, spring training facility, but that would screw up travel. But. I don't know. I mean, Sharks, American hockey versus Canadian hockey. Only the Canadian teams will play each other and only the American teams will play each other. You can't bubble for a full season. Dave Cavill told us that. You just can't do it. And Dave Cavill will join us at 3 o'clock, the president of your Oakland Athletics. Some heavy stuff. It's, 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 it's. What is the date today? October 16th. Okay, before you know it, it's going to be Christmas. We're going to fly through Thanksgiving, Christmas, and we're going to be looking at January 1. As Rob Manfred said on this program, the virus will dictate how the offseason goes. The virus is going to dictate how the NHL starts, the NBA. Football already is a mess right now. More Patriots have tested positive today. Is that correct? And then we had a bunch of Falcons yesterday. It was, a, I think it was the Colts today, but apparently it was false positives with the Colts. But, yeah, the Falcons had an issue. I mean, we've seen games move. There was no Thursday night game last night because uh, 
We had Tuesday night football, Bills, uh, Bills, Titans. So there's been a lot of ch- moving around, but you, you can only move around the schedule so much in the NFL Correct. before you have to start canceling games. And I know why they're not canceling games because a lot of these – a lot of these places, uh, well, you don't really have a lot of wiggle room to play, to play these games. One. Two, some of these places probably already sold tickets, so they maybe they don't want to reimburse. I don't know how that's working with that. But there's so many things that go into it. But they're, they're, you're starting to see more issues arise. I mean, we talked about it the other day on the show, Nick Saban came down with COVID. I mean, is Alabama Georgia just like, are they really still playing tomorrow? Like, I, I mean, I guess it's still scheduled, but the head coach of Alabama is not coaching the game because of COVID. So, uh, ba- again, we talked about this. Baseball did a great job handling. It's been 47 days now since the last positive test in baseball for COVID. So they've done a great job getting it on, you know, getting under wraps after the Cardinals and Marlins situation. And they pull up Buster only. Uh, Buster, I saw a little bit ago. Buster put out a tweet of how long it's been since the last positive test. Yeah, I'm pulling up his Twitter right now. Let's see. I think he said it was 47 days, but I'll just double check. It has been uh, double-checking because he's a lot of stuff since then. 47 days have passed since a player, uh, Major League Baseball player, has tested positive for COVID-19. So that would have been Daniel Mangden probably 47 days ago. No. It's going to be just to watch how this thing plays out. I mean, it's how these leagues and how they're going to continue and, Every state, every county. I mean, we have fans in the stadium in Texas, but we don't have fans down in San Diego. I mean, it's just wild. All right, coming up next, the All-Star, the Bowl, Liam Hendricks. What was the T-shirt? Herculeum. Herculeum. Herculeum next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Luriano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. Well, you talk about a year. Liam Hendricks' year was absolutely fabulous. And then what he did in the postseason, uh, you talk about the heart of a champion. What that guy did for the athletics, uh, very, very special. You all love him, and you should for – who he is as a person on and off the field as a teammate and truly a great A. Liam, it's it's wonderful to see as we can actually see you. It's been a while. Yeah, I, yeah, I got the text from Fernando yesterday, and he goes, oh, yeah, do you get the uh, the video or the phone? But most guys just do the phone. I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to surprise him with a video. And obviously I did because that hair is exceptional today, Tony. <laughs> look, at, look at the mullet <laughs> I got going now. Uh, uh, if you shave the sides – You've got the ideal uh, Aussie Rules football hat right there. <laughs> so my okay. wife hates it. So she's like, you got to get that cut. And I said, you know what? This is the only time I don't have to do any TV. I, I'm just going to let <laughs> – I, 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 want, I want the full-on, like, hockey mullet. Yeah, you got to go for it. You, now, all you need to do is just shave the sides up to about down to here, and then uh, you're good to go. Just leave so the, I, the back long, leave everything going. And oh, I know. It's in the back – back is great and when i'm playing golf and it's in the breeze i've i've never had long hair in my life so i'm gonna let it go uh i gotta tell you watching you and that you know we we've talked about this over the years how you like to play long toss every day you're ready to take the ball every day some people say it 
some people mean it. You mean it, and you showed everybody what your heart is made of is, is you went out there and risked it all for your teammates, and I think that means a lot. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you look at everything. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. you got to do what you can do today to, to advance the team or advance what you can, and that was my whole point of it. I like to throw. The more I throw, the better I feel, and I rocked up that next day ready to go again. It didn't matter that I threw three innings the day before. It was just I want the ball, I want to pitch, and, uh, and I want to do what I can to help this team win. Uh, yeah, I, I was taking calls in the postgame show, and people were like, oh, my God, they burned him. He won't be able to pitch. I'm like, he's going to pitch? Do you not know <laughs> Liam Hendricks? He will be on the mound. He will take the ball. Yeah, they got some good. They got some good anti-inflammatories in the in the training room. So I mean, there's no no issue with that. I can pop a couple of those and be and be feeling like new again. How tough was it just to say goodbye and end the season? It's hard. Um, obviously, with my status unknown going into this off season, obviously, um, hopefully, I can the A's will reach out and we can we can figure something out. But it's, this is this is a harder year than most for me because every other year I'll be like, okay, look. I'm probably coming back. It's up to the A's to put it in their court now. But this year was different. I'm going into free agency. I have no idea what the future holds. I have no idea what the every, everything pertains. Um, hopefully, I get get a call from the A's and we can try and figure something out. But at the same time, it's I'm not. I'm just excited for the future and excited to kind of uh, see where this next chapter takes me. You know, it's like one of those things where you know you, you guys win the West. That was something you wanted to accomplish. And I just know, you know, there's only going to be one team that wins the World Series. So in the end, you got to say goodbye and you didn't finish the journey. And we know just, you know, you guys have spent so much time together. I know that's really rough. And we we taped Bob Melvin earlier today. We're playing him later in the show. And he talked about how tough it was to, to say goodbye to you guys because of what you did. And I, and I think about everything you guys went through. What a just, what a brutal season. I mean, when, when you really think about it, and I, and I know everybody, I had to calm a lot of people down, and I had to say, hey, listen, the fact that we just got this season in, it was amazing. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, obviously, in April, we couldn't have pertained what was going to happen. Um, we had no idea what was going to happen. We had no idea what what anything was showing. But uh, that's a tribute to what MLB and the Players Association were able to figure out to get us at least 60 games and to get us – and you look at some of the issues that have – that the other sports now that aren't doing bubbles and stuff have run into, they did an exceptional job of making sure that a lot of teams and a lot of players stayed safe. And that's just a huge uh, hat off to them. But yeah, we were able to get 60 games and it wasn't an ideal situation, obviously between regular spring training, then summer camp, then the regular season, and then having to be in a bubble away from families and stuff like this. It's uh, it was an interesting time period, but I'm, I'm happy with the way that our team especially took, took hold of it. And even when there was a outbreak on our team, we were able to kind of minimize it because of the fact that we were following protocols inside that clubhouse and inside uh, while we're at the field at all times. So that's a, it's a big, uh, big thing for our training staff with the A's that they were able to kind of accomplish us staying safe, even against all odds with a, with a positive case on the team as well. Yeah, that's one thing that we, we talked to the commissioner, Rob Manfred, and it's one of the things I kind of, uh, you know, it's usually commissioners, people are coming down on him. I, I applauded him saying, you guys were fluid about this. You, 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 it was hard to know exactly having a game plan. And if something went wrong, you had to be able to make a change really quick. And I think that's the best thing that baseball did this year is, is they knew at times, okay, we might have to change that game plan. And for the most part, what they did is we just read off. It's been like 47 days since the last positive test. I think we have to say kudos to Major League Baseball for getting this done. 
Without a doubt. I mean, and you're also dealing with a bunch of guys who are used to, if they ask for something or if they haven't heard anything, they reach out to people and they hear an answer immediately. And when everything is changing and chopping and going back and forth, you just don't know where you stand. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what the status quo is. And the fact that they were able to deal with, what is it, probably over a thousand uh, major league players not knowing what's going on and kind of keeping it where it was, it's a, it's a hat off to them. It's a hat off to the players association was doing the same thing, trying to calm guys down from thinking that it was going to be the like no season. And then there was going to be a full season. And it was just, there's so much information floating around that it was really hard to kind of contain what was going on. And I was on a lot of the phone calls with the union and I was hearing it from both sides. And it's just, it's amazing that we were able to kind of get together and get games in at all. Um, obviously the more games would have been, more games would have been better, but there was just, you know, you get the end of the day, safety is what it is. And, we're able to keep almost every single play safe, which is huge. You know, when, when you guys have your exit meetings, uh, did they say anything to you about how to stay safe or what to do? Because now you guys leave the bubble and it kind of changes. Is there, is there, whether it's from the players union or baseball, was there any talk about how to, how to conduct yourself in the off season? Uh, no, I really didn't have an exit meeting, so <laughs> still waiting for that one. But, um, no, we got a text now on our group chat being like, hey, um, obviously, we, we now that you're out of everything, kind of, we don't know what the plan is. We haven't got any kind of deal from MLB, but we are recommending you kind of follow the CDC guidelines no matter what. You follow what we've been doing here no matter what. Try and stay, stay away from people and, and do what you can to social distance and constantly wear a mask. But, I mean, I came back to Florida. Florida is pretty much, pretty much open right now. So it's a very weird thing when I'm – like uh, we went up to our clubhouse for dinner the other night and I'm wearing it's outside. We, we ordered some food and then we ate there and then it's, I'm wearing a mask the entire time, but I was one of, if not the only person wearing a mask and it's just certain people taking it safely. You go to a grocery store, there's still everybody wearing masks inside for the most part. So I think it's just, it's, it's a culture shock coming back here from California where everything was so strict and rightfully so coming back to a place like Florida, where it was a little bit more open. It's just, it's, it's different than, uh, but yeah, that's a, that my biggest thing is I'm high risk, obviously. So I'm taking as many precautions as I can. Like I haven't even left the house today. I actually just threw on a different shirt just for you guys today. So feel special about that. Um. <laughs> you know, and we try. You know, I interview I interview people from from all around the country, right? With all these different teams, and I, I think what you said really shows everybody here in Northern California how we're far different. I mean. Where I live in Santa Clara County, I mean, we haven't been able to even go into a restaurant or go into anything since March 15th. And here you're talking about Florida and certain states. I mean, even New York, they're getting people into restaurants 25%. It, it, it is unbelievable how we are living compared to the rest of the country. I don't know who's right. I don't know who's wrong. It's just funny. Like, I mean, you got fans at the NLCS, but we don't have fans in the ALCS. It's just crazy. Well, it's like we were allowed, our wives were allowed to come to the games in Oakland, but they weren't allowed to come to any of the games in LA because it was a different county. Um, but my actually, my, my wife and I, our niece is actually going to college in New York, and she had to go up there earlier than her report date was because she had to quarantine for 14 days. So she had to go up there and be like, nope, like they get everybody in. They've got the mandated quarantine up there. So, same thing. Uh, if you fly into a state in Australia, you have to quarantine for 14 days before you're allowed out. And um, it's just, it's, it's such a different thing all over the world, but they shut my, back in Australia, they shut down domestic travel. Uh, my home state, I think has five new cases and they were all 
known cases coming in and they're also quite currently quarantining. So it's like everything had, there's been no community transfer and I mean, almost two months or three months. And then, uh, yeah, we were just talking to Dan Schulman, who's doing the play-by-play tonight on ESPN, but he's also the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. And he's talking about when, when baseball's done, he's got to go back home and he's got to quarantine in an apartment because if he went back home, uh, they wouldn't allow his son to go to school. So we started talking about it going, man, unless they open up the border, I, I don't even know how the NBA, I don't know how the NHL, I don't know what the Blue Jays are going to do because – You know, as of right now and going forward, you can't go into Canada unless, like Australia, unless you quarantine for 14 days. It's going to be interesting to see what the NHL does specifically because they can and have enough teams where they can do a a two-country kind of tournament. I mean, they can keep every single NHL team in Canada in Canada, and they can just roam back and forth. I mean, there's been talks of – I mean, it's obviously huge speculation, but the Maple Leafs Canadiens having a Saturday night game every week. And just doing it like as a weekly thing is just to boost ratings and all that. But obviously, I'm a huge Habs fan, as you can as you can see there. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I've been keeping up with it. I mean, they don't even have a start for a season date yet, and they're talking about the, the possibility of a season starting here in like two and a half months, and they haven't even named the date yet. But they there's the possibility of that happening. Now I know you like to travel, so this off season, are you going to be able to go back home, or, or are you just going to lay low? No, we can't go back home, which is unfortunate because my sister's getting married this year, so we can't go back for that. Um, but yeah, we can't go back because I, I, Christy, I, both I, Christy and I wouldn't be allowed in, or we'd have to quarantine for fourteen days. So all of a sudden, you're looking at almost a month long kind of thing to make it worth it. And then coming back to the states, I don't even know if I'm allowed back in because of I'm on a visa right now in this country. So it's like I'm not even sure if I'm allowed, like I'd be allowed to get back in on that or what what the deal is. So it's just our biggest thing now is just staying safe staying at home and if we want to go anywhere we uh we drive somewhere so we'll <laughs> we'll see how that goes but yeah take a bit of a drive around and i mean that's that's pretty much what we can do but i mean i'm a homebody as it is i'm just going to be sitting on the couch reading and waiting for six o'clock to come so i can start watching the baseball yeah it is tough watching the astros right now i mean i i, I think there's uh 29 teams who are all rooting against the houston astros and uh would like to see the rays get a victory and you know i always think about the rays like the rays and a's are kind of like twins so i i if the a's are not in it i can always root for the rays yeah i mean they've uh it's been a good series to watch so far obviously the rays jumped out to the three nothing three nothing lead and the Astros have clawed a couple back, but I'm all for teams that use their bullpens. And I love the fact that what Kevin Cash has been able to do with his bullpen. I mean, you look at some teams and they've got the, they're in a circle where it's maybe three or four relievers. He's using, I mean, what he had 13 or 14 different guys had a save this year. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's, in, that's unbelievable. He has faith in every single reliever he throws out there in any situation of any game. I mean, you got Nick Anderson coming in there yesterday. Unfortunately, didn't have the best one that day, but he threw three, almost three innings in, um, in the DS. And like he's using guys who have been mainly five, six inning guys, five, fifth or sixth inning guys, all of a sudden in the ninth inning to close out a game. And it's, it's impressive the kind of camaraderie he's been able to build in that bullpen with no egos worrying about, oh, I should get the saves or that he should get the saves or anything like that. It's he has faith in every single player out there. And that's hard to build. That's a very, very hard thing to do in a bullpen because you don't want that guy going out there in the seventh inning and being like, oh, what am I supposed like? I'm usually pitching when we're down. How am I pitching when a one run game in the playoffs now? He's got that faith in every single guy and it shows. So, you know, the games looked 
to be intense. There's no question. White Sox, Astros, and even what we're watching now. But we're watching on television. We're not in the ballpark. When you're in the ballpark and there are no fans, what was that like, and how much do you think that has helped young guys to not have to be on the road, hostile crowd, and they can really just go out and play baseball? Yeah, I think definitely for the visiting teams, it's it's kind of taken that little advantage away that the uh, the home teams have. But, I mean, in saying that, when we were in Oakland, we had our wives absolutely rocking that center field at Matt Davis. I mean, they were they had uh, protein shakers with stuff inside shaking. They had boxes of macaroni and cheese dried that they were shaking to kind of make maracas and stuff. I mean, what they were able to do was is fantastic. But you could hear both sides. You could hear our wives, and then you could hear the White Sox wives cheering when they were doing it. But that was a, that was a pretty cool thing. And then we get to LA, and it's just it's it's different. You're almost like playing on the road, but you're wearing white uniforms. It's it's, it's a little different. It's a little weird, but. Yeah, there's a lot of things. I think for the young guys, especially, you look at what the uh, the Astros relievers have done. I mean, they put they started the game with five rookies yesterday. That's that's amazing. The fact that they were able to do that. But I mean, those guys have shown no fear all, all postseason. I mean, they they had really good outings against us. Um, they kept them in the game when there was a chance for us. If they 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 may have run out of pitching at some point. But in the day, we uh, yeah, it's it's I definitely think it gives some of these young guys a little bit of a breather. It gives the visiting team a bit of an advantage, but now every team's in a different different ballpark anyway, so both teams are in that weird scenario. Yeah, kind of. A, I'm a little bit shocked, but now that I've been seeing it, I'm not too shocked. It's just how good really the Braves are. They're super athletic. They're super fun, and uh, I, I think the Dodgers are in real trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody kind of got the small sample size stuck in their head with the Braves, especially their starting pitches. Their bullpen was always going to be good because they've got a bunch of guys who've done it for a long time and they know what they need to do. But they had a few starters out there that don't quite have the the name, reputation or anything like that going with them. And they're like, oh, well, they only did it over 60 games. Well, we don't know what we're going to get. Well, I mean, 60 games, 60 games, doesn't matter how long the season is. You put 10, 12 starts together that keeps you, keeps all your numbers looking that good. You're going to have a good starting staff. And they've been able to go out there and show it by keeping keeping guys off speed and uh, off kind of off their, uh, off their off speed and stuff. And, it's been pretty fun to watch for sure. I mean, obviously, you look at the Dodgers lineup, it's daunting. It's got the names. And then you look at Atlanta's, and they're just – they're right there with him. I mean, Ozuna has completely changed his approach since I faced him. And that was two years ago, I think. I think maybe in you – know, I don't know if I faced him in 19 or 18 or whatever it was, but he's completely changed his approach. I mean, he used to be the guy you could get inside, you could go breaking ball away. Now there's no inside to get. Like, you cannot go inside on that guy. It's just – it's unbelievable what he's been able to do. And – and Freddie Freeman has always been one of the hardest guys I've ever like, to throw to just because I feel like he's on absolutely everything. And he's the w- weird lefty that you don't want to throw him inside because he can hit that and then he can handle the ball away as well. It's it's impressive to watch what they've been able to do. Well, let's end on this. You know, you and your wife do so much for people, for animals. You got this offseason coming up. What, what are the main projects you guys are going to be working on? Uh, it's going to be weird. Like usually we have something set in place that we want to do because we know where we're going to go. Um, if, as soon as I have a team, as soon as, if it's back in Oakland, we've got a bunch of things laid out in Oakland, but we're not sure what we're going to do. Obviously we're going to do a, a bunch with uh place for pits out of Chicago with, uh, with animal rescue and, and people rescue and stuff like that. But other than that, we're, um, we're kind of seeing where it goes. We want to go into a community. We want to, we want to do something in that community when we want to just, it does want to be like a, a very broad thing. We want to be focused on a certain thing. 
I uh, was just watching the MLB channel and they did that. They, they went over at, um, Eric Cooper's uh, umpscare.com. Uh, they're trying to raise money who, for uh, Eric Cooper who died last year after complications from a from knee surgery and ended up having a blood clot. So they're doing some some great work with some college uh, college scholarships to try and raise money. So uh, we'll probably be donating towards that because it's I feel like the umpires always get a bit of a bad rap, but they're actually really good guys and and I love seeing what they're able to do off the field as well. It's it's a big part of everything, but. Our biggest thing is always going to be the two big ones for us, uh, animal rescue and then cyberbullying. And so those are the two ones we're really going to focus on. And then hopefully we can get into some communities wherever we go and, and can take it into that. And hopefully the, whichever team I'm with, they can back me a little bit as well. Well, I, I can tell you, I've been doing this a long time. And the type of person you are, your wife, what you do for people, what you do on the field as a, a great closer it's been wonderful covering you because uh, you're different than a lot of guys. You're very, very special. And we've always appreciated the time that you've given us here on A's Cast Live. It's meant a lot. So be safe, be well, and let's talk soon. Of course. You let me know when you need me back on. I'll come back. I'm, I don't really do anything. I mean, as you, I told you earlier, I put on a shirt just for this show. I didn't. That was about it. But um, all I've been doing is sitting on the couch reading and then uh, and then getting yelled at to get off the couch to go clean something up that I made a mess from earlier. So that's about it. <laughs> oh, man, it's going to be a wild off season. Take care, buddy. Be well. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Good to see you. Good seeing you, too. <laughs> Liam Hendricks, the all-star. Yeah, it's great to see him. God, we haven't seen him in so long. I mean, we've seen him on television, but, you know, when we're uh, – so we use Google Meets. This is our millennial technology. And uh, I don't know. It's always just something special when you get to see the guy. It's one thing when you're talking to him on a phone, but when you get to see him and they get to see me and it, uh, I love that guy. And I, 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 I mean, I hope he returns. I, you know, he wants to return, but you know, it's, you're right. As a player, you get to free agency and you know, I want it for the record. I did not ask him about free agency. He went into that. That's I just true. asked him to say goodbye because, you know, at the end of the year, people, they got, they, you say goodbye. I mean, season's over. It's always tough. Bob Melvin's going to tell you, this is like the, this has been like the toughest one ever, but I didn't ask him. He went into it on his own. Yeah. I'm, fact I'm, fiction. Uh, that's true. That's a fact. And I'm glad to see that he put a shirt on for us. I was very appreciative of him doing that because uh, it was good to see, because I think the last time we saw him, was that the wild card uh, like warm up, like the the media availability last year when he was on with us and he threw his glove at Austin Meadows and Austin Meadows came on with us at the same time? I don't know if you remember that or not, but that's I think it's the last time we saw him in person. That was over a year ago. So here we are. He him. no, we saw him at spring training. Oh yeah, I forgot. Well, I'm talking about in Oakland. Last time we saw him in Oakland was last year. <laughs> Uh, we saw him in Las Vegas, and we saw him in Arizona. Do you want some uh, want some news? This is this is we. I mentioned this earlier when we were talking about it. Better be breaking. It better be breaking. Um, the follow up test on Alabama head coach Nick Saban was negative, opening up the possibility of him coaching tomorrow versus Georgia. So, are we seeing like what we saw with the the Colts was a false positive because now Saban the same thing happened to Nick Saban. It seems like so. This might bring it up because it popped up on my phone. We mentioned Nick Saban earlier, how he had it, and we talked about it the other day. So, I don't know. College oh, football is the weird. There's the other breaking news. Oh, are we, are we talking about a, a legend in the South Bay? Is that what we're getting at? 
the legend in the South Bay no longer as Joe Thornton is going to have to quarantine for 14 days because he is now a Toronto Maple Leaf. I've seen this before. Pretty sure the same thing happened with Patrick Marlowe. Patty Marlowe. Uh, same thing, you know, Thornton's built, he, he not only, he didn't buy a house. He built this like big old house down here in San Jose and he wants to spend the rest of his life here. So that's going to be a tough sledding for, for, uh, for Jumbo Joe. Now that he's going back to the Northeast and Toronto, Canada. And then the Sharks resigned Patrick Marlowe this off season. So Marlowe's back. Thornton's gone. So. Like the Giants and the Sharks just love them old guys. <laughs> love them. What do you mean? Matt, Matt Nieto's back. He's uh, he's in his 30s, too, I believe. So there's another older player. You know, you got to get your money while you can as a closer because the way things are going, you know, this, is, this isn't how Tony La Russa set it up when Tony La Russa changed bullpens. It's now, hey, I, I, I need out. I mean, what the Rays are doing. Like, let's say the Rays – I think the Rays are going to move on. And let's say the Rays win the World Series. Every league is a copycat league. We – the bull, bullpens are about to change forever. The role of closer is about to change forever. I'm pretty sure within five years we're going to have nobody listed as the closer. I think it's going to be high leverage situation in the seventh inning. Get my best guy up. Go get me out of that. Go get me out of that jam. So the old making money off the uh, off the uh, saves count, I don't think it's going to be there anymore. Now that's and in, in, in for baseball, what that will allow you is to not pay relievers. You can put more of your budget towards your position players. Because now you're all just going to be a bunch of high leverage guys. There's not going to be that Mariano Rivera, Bruce Suter, Trevor Hoffman, you know, that guy sitting at the back of the bullpen. You're going to, your best guy may be coming in the seventh inning. Saves will be in the next five. Where's the save going to be? I mean, right now, as of right now, what? Tampa has a. That's 13 different guys that have a save. 13. Yeah, if you include the postseason with uh with Peter Fairbanks, uh, they now have 13 different guys with a save. And Liam said it perfectly. Kevin Cash trusts all those guys in his bullpen to be the closer. He he does it completely different. The Rays do this differently with everything. But bringing guys in to pitch in the seventh, that's when you see Nick Anderson, what was it, game five against the Yankees? He's pitching in the third inning after Glassnell's taken out. Like your closer's pitching three innings in the – like was so it would have been three, four, five, and almost into the sixth inning he's pitching. He's your closer in game five of the ALDS. That just shows you how much faith he has in other guys. And uh, the Rays the other day got back a guy that I, I absolutely love. I love Jose Alvarado. I think he is he could be so nasty from the left from as a left handed reliever throwing a hundred. He yeah, is he's just, he was blowing smoke. He is him and Castillo and Fairbanks and and Anderson. These guys. Where do they find these guys? But they're so good. They're, it's just like insert random named big reliever. Uh, Aaron Sledger's like he's 6'10". He throws gas. Like they find these guys all the time. And you're right. The positionless position. I, I already feel like a save is kind of getting kind of devalued 
a little bit. Not like the win is with people, but I feel like a lot of people feel that way about Ooh, saves. Hot take Friday. Wasn't it Fireball so, Friday? Fireball Friday. Um, <laughs> Scott Emerson was really the first one to tip us off about this. To where you're going to train your pitching staff. You just show up and be ready to go. Essentially, that that that's what it's heading to. At some point, you know, we've been so into you're a starter, you're middle relief, you're the setup guy, you're the guy that gets lefties out, you're the guy that comes in in the end, and 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 you're the fireman, and you're the closer. That's all going away. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, however you get 27 outs is how you get 27 outs. There's just not enough Max Scherzers. There's just not enough Verlanders. There's just not enough of those guys around anymore. And if you have a good arm, you are going to be babied. Case in point, Jesus Lazardo. I mean, we're training these guys five and dive. If they can get into the six, oh, what a bonus. And if they keep training pitchers like this, we're going to get to a point where they're going to keep adding roster spots and it's going to be more pitchers. I mean, look at this postseason. How many times has a non-traditional starter gotten on the mound to lead off a game? Is it an opener? I don't even know if they're an opener anymore. I mean, guy might go two, guy might go three. Then bring in the other guy, and then he goes three, and then bring in the – I mean, it's just it's just a revolving door of arms. And they're going to throw as hard as they can until it pops. And then they're going to go have surgery, rehab, and hopefully you come back as good, and you're going to just – that's all it is. Just throw as hard as you can. However you get 27 outs, I, I mean – yeah, you may still have an ace. You may still have a really good pitcher. But a lot of times, bullpens are just going to get bigger. Well, it's not even bullpen. Staffs. Staffs are just going to get bigger. And it's going to be like the Rays. You have no idea who's coming in. You have no idea. Well, they have an idea, but you have no idea. You're still playing traditional baseball. They're playing, they're playing the new wave baseball. I've got all these arms you don't know. And this is what always gets me about doing the postgame show is people will say, why didn't Bob do this? And why didn't Bob do that? Well, you don't understand. You don't know who can go and who can't. I've been in Bob's office before where he's like, I've got maybe three guys tonight. Well, what about all the other guys? Well, they have these charts of where these guys are. Guys who are available, guys who are emergency, and guys no way they pitch. And you have no idea what Bob has. Sometimes he has a full staff down there in the bullpen. Sometimes he just has a couple guys. And he's got to figure out a way to get 27 outs. But we go into these games as fans thinking every guy's available. <laughs> it's not the way it works. All right, coming up next, it is the Bob Melvin Show. We head to the Valley of the Sun. We're heading to Arizona to talk with the skipper, Bob Melvin, right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Shamanaya. Shamanaya has no hit the Red Sox. 
and you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. Dave Cabell, the president of your Oakland Athletics, will join us at 3 o'clock at 3.30. Joe Davis, Dodgers play-by-play man, and if this thing goes 7, he'll be on the national broadcast because Joe Buck will be off to the NFL. He's doing seven games in seven days. Who's his partner? Troy Aikman. <laughs> John Smoltz. I, every time I want to say Smoltz, I say Troy Aikman. I wonder what game they're doing. Here, I'm going to look, pull up the NFL schedule. I'm going to take a random guess and say on Saturday jo, or Sunday, Joe Buck and Troy, Aik, Troy Aikman are calling. Let's see, they're Bucks Panthers or uh, Bucks Packers would be the game it looks like. Well, that's a little Aaron Rodgers against the GOAT, Tom Brady. Yeah, because the other game on at 105 our time is uh, Jets-Dolphins. I don't think Aikman and uh, Joe Buck are calling that game. What are you talking about? Dolphins just whooped the Niners at home. That's true, and the Jets are 0-5. And, well, there's the, the, this is what's surprising about New York City. Their football teams are 0-10. <laughs> oh, God. So, if my buddy Jason Babcock uh, – who just defeated cancer and got another test back that was clean. So congratulations to him. I took him out golfing on Sunday because it was the first time he's played golf since he beat cancer. And he's a huge Niner fan. And the whole time our phones are blowing up because you're getting score updates of the Niner game. (laughs) And you keep looking down going, holy they just got whooped by the, the Dolphins? Fitzmagic is back. <laughs> oh, God. Are the Blue Jays still the best team in New York? Uh, no, that'd be the Buffalo Bills, although they lost their first game. Bills are pretty good. Uh, they have a good, a good running attack. Josh Allen looks great. Uh, their defense is pretty good. Well, not this last week, but going into this week, they were – you could have had the World Series champion. You could have had the Super Bowl champion all in the same town of the great city of Buffalo, New York. And the Sabres signed the biggest name free agent on the market, too. So the, it's a it's a big year right now in Buffalo. Oh, God. God bless him because that hard winter's coming, bro. It's <laughs> you want to talk about a hard year? And I think the the number one thing that I heard during the season was when Chris Bassett was talking about Bob Melvin. And Chris Bassett essentially said, we don't get through this without him. You guys got to understand what a leader he is, a leader of men. And in a year where you're going to have problems on the field, you're going to have problems off the field. And sometimes these guys, they really need to rely on Bob Melvin for his advice, for his teaching. I mean, he's like a mental coach too. I mean, it's just not, he's the manager of the team. He's got to help some of these young men out. This was a really, really tough year. You know, guys away from the people they love. And Scott Emerson told us he hadn't seen his wife or his dog since July. That's a long time. Things can get squirrely. Somebody has to lead the humans. That's why I say all the time. Analytics are great. But you're not dealing with a manufacturing plant. All right? This is an Amazon. 
You're sending out packages. No, this is dealing with human beings. Human beings who are going through the worst year of their life. Keeping them on track. You know, the one thing Bob told us in the past is every day he and his staff got to show up with the right frame of mind because if they don't, that'll be passed down to the players. So you may be feeling down. You may not be happy with what's going on. But you can't show that. Players can't see that. And for Bob, it was a tough year. But he held it together, so his team held it together. And he's a big part of why this team has had its success since 2012. Here is the Bob Melvin Show on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live, brought to you by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com right now. Use the coupon code Oakland and get 10% off your entire order. That's bed, bedding, pillows, you name it. Nestbedding.com. Use the coupon code Oakland. And it's time for the Bob Melvin Show. Skip, how are you? I'm all right. You know, just trying to get through the, you know, what it was, what is the difficult part of the year when you don't, you don't finish where you wanted to. So, you know, just still trying to, to get past that. It's almost like, you know, a death in the family. <laughs> and, you know, it's just for, for a week or so, it, it's pretty hard to get over it. You know, I, I, I felt the same way. And, and I, I kind of ended the post game show with, you know, we got to have some reality here. And I think we're very, very fortunate that we even had a baseball season because it was hanging by a thread. Once the Marlins started testing positive, once the Cardinals, you had Daniel Mangdon. There were times where I was worried we wouldn't get through a season. So in the end, uh, wouldn't you just say, we're happy we just got through it? Yeah, that's certainly one way of looking at it. And and really and truly, I thought once we came back for, for summer camp or whatever you wanted to call it, I didn't know that we would make it to the season, actually, let alone get through a full season. So, you know, there were a lot of steps uh, along the way that, that you had to get through, and fortunately we did. Like you said, it, it's fortunate that we had a baseball season, and, you know, we were lucky to be employed and get all the way through it. But there were times when I was like you. I, I kind of doubted whether or not it was going to happen or not. You know, you've been in this game a long time as a, as a player, as a manager, as a coach. I mean, what was this year like? Just how tough was this year for you, your staff, your players, versus any other year you've been a part of Major League Baseball? Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you compare it to. If you're comparing it like that, yes, it was it was by far the most difficult process. You know, I know it was only 60 games, but it felt like a lot more. There's a lot you had to do. It took you out of your routines. We had the social injustice uh, games that we had to deal with. We had the, you know, the environment. It was just one thing after another, and, and it, it presented some challenges that, that we had to work through. So in that respect, it was, it was very, very difficult. Again, we have to look at perspective-wise. We were lucky to be working. We were lucky to be paid. And we were lucky to, to be able to entertain some. So uh, we were fortunate as, as far as that goes, but it, all in all, it was a pretty difficult season to get through. And the good thing is is, is that you guys – cleared another hurdle your your guys finally got over and won the american league west so they now know what that feels like yeah it didn't feel like a series at home when you had a you know there were a lot of things that 
uh, transpired where in a normal season, maybe there's a little bit more advantage to doing that, but we did, you know, we, we won the division. We won it pretty handily. We got through, uh, you know, a series in the postseason, but it, it ended uh, too abruptly again and was disappointing. And, you know, you just have to go back next year and say, all right, we broke through another hurdle and, you know, next year we have to look for more. Yeah, I think you can't say enough about how the neutral sites, no fans have really changed how the playoffs were laid out. If you're in front of 50,000 people going nuts, screaming at you, you know, not to make any excuses, but the reality is, and I think some really good points have been made on MLB Network about we've seen a lot of young players play well, play confident, and it's a lot easier to do that when you don't have people in the stands. It is. And, and I think, you know, in Houston's case, that they were probably pretty fortunate that were, there weren't fans in the stands either. They might have had a little different, different dialogue going on every day that they had to deal with, too. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it was different for everybody involved. It, it was an even playing field and you do the best you can with it. But uh, there were some things this year that were a little different than normal years, obviously. How much will you watch the postseason going, you know, ever since uh, the team was eliminated to where we are today? all the way to the end of the world series. Well, I don't, I don't put my, my, you know, wrap my day around it. Uh, if it's on and, and, you know, if it's, I'm not doing anything. I watch some of it. I, I don't, you know, program and sit down on the couch and watch all the, every inning, every game. So just kind of spotty. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's been real interesting and we'll, we'll see how it, it's going to play out. But I mean, obviously, uh, to the top seeds, most of them are, are going to be moving on into the World Series. We'll see what happens with the Astros and the Rays. So how do you get mentally recharged? What do you do in the offseason to kind of focus? Because, you know, before you know it, we're going to snap our fingers and the next season's going to be here. Yeah, and I think that's probably a good thing, you know, and hopefully it's a, it's a normal season. I think there's probably still a lot of, a debate and, and, you know, whether or not it's going to be a, a normal season again. So teams have a lot to the, on their plate that they have to deal with, you know, certain teams revenue wise, what they do with their, you know, with their roster and, and salary for the year and, and, you know, trying to forecast what revenues are going to be. It's going to be really difficult in, uh, off season for teams to, to figure out what they want to do. So it all starts with that with us. Obviously we have a lot of free agents, um, you know, we have some ARB guys, we have a lot of decisions to make, you know, it's not going to be a, a fun season for, for Billy and David. And the fact that, you know, with these free agents going away, how to replace these guys. So, uh, you know, once you get past that and once you get through the, you know, the first of the year or so forth, and then you start looking forward to the season again. You know, that's a crazy thing. And we had Rob Manfred on the commissioner. We had him on during the playoffs and I asked him about the off season and he said the virus will dictate how the offseason goes. So, I mean, really, I mean, we could talk about free agency, but we, we have no idea what the business of baseball. Like, I would not be shocked, and I could be totally wrong here. I wouldn't be shocked at some point if they just put a freeze on everything and they wait till they get a CBA done. They wait for, you know, to see how things are going to go. I mean, I, I don't think we can predict anything, especially free agency, right? Right. I, I hope that's not the case. I mean, I hope the fact that we did play through this year um, would suggest that there you can make some kind of plans for next year and ex have an expectation of next year going off too. 
you know, hopefully we've seen the worst of it. Um, you know, we'll see how the winter goes and if it comes back, but hopefully we, we played through the worst of it. And that, that shows you that next year, you know, at least something will happen, how normal that will be. I'm not sure. Well, I think you got to be excited no matter what the core group for you, you know, won 97 games back to back years now won the division. They're going to come back a year stronger, a year mentally better. I think you got to be excited about that. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, this, this group here is, is built to win and, and expects to win. So like you said, you know, the 97 wins two years and, and what we accomplished this year, you know, we did it without Matt Chapman at the end too. And that, that was really tough. I mean, you know, there's certain guys that you that are, that hurt more than others that when you lose them and, you know, I know football is a little bit more reliant on, on maybe one position, but it was almost like losing our quarterback. So, you know, it's, it's all Chapman all the time around our clubhouse, and that was a difficult one. Chad Pender did a great job. Jake Lamb did a great job. The front office did the best they could trying to, you know, build around that. But, you know, having him back for a full year, healthy next year, uh, just lends to us being that much more confident because he is, he is a terrific player. Yeah. Have you been able to talk to him? How, how are his spirits? He good. You know, he he's going through all the, the, you know, progressions very well. You got the stitches out. He was back in LA uh, rehabbing there after being in, in Aspen for a couple of weeks. So no, he's, he's, he's coming along nicely and, and looks forward to, to being fully healthy next year. Did Chad Pender show all of us that maybe this spring it should be let him play full time? <laughs> yeah, I, I'll tell you what, I, he didn't do anything to, to create an argument the other way. I mean, you know, it's just, you, you plug him in in a spot where you need him and he, and he shows up for you, uh, you know, with the power and everything, certainly the production, what, what he could do with 500 at bats, you know, still yet to be determined. And, and the great thing about him is if you have a spot where you can't fill it, he's a guy that can. And, and could he do that every day? I certainly think he looks forward to that opportunity. And I think he showed a lot of people you know, especially against some right-handed pitching toward the end of the last, you know, the, the postseason that, that he can perform against anybody. And how nice was it to see Chris Davis start to look like Chris Davis again towards the end of the year? Yeah, that was fantastic. I mean, we just had a different feel to us with, with him in the middle of the lineup, hitting the ball in the ballpark and hitting out the right center field. You know, that's, that's a dynamic we missed for a while. So hopefully that there's a lot of confidence that he takes into this offseason and comes back next spring feeling like he's the player he's been in the past. So that was really important for us down the stretch as well. Yeah, if you got Chris Davis back to being that 40 home run, 100 RBI guy, that for you wouldn't it be like adding a free agent. Yeah, a real good one. Yeah, no, I mean, he, you know, he was as consistent as any power hitter in baseball for three years with us. Um, so yes, that would be, that would be fantastic for us going forward. And, you know, he wasn't the only guy with down years. You look across the board with our, with our offense this year, I don't think anybody will tell you they had a good year, uh, that's, that was in our starting lineup, but we were able to kind of piece it together a little bit at a time, a couple days on a, a couple guys on a particular day, a couple guys the, the next, um, but having a Chris Davis back to full form again, make, takes us to a different level. You know, a lot of people have talked about not being able to look at video in-game affected hitters this year. Do you buy that, and do you think there needs to be some type of rule change? Uh, I think it's it really doesn't matter what I think. Um, yeah, There are a lot of players that really get into, 
you know, having that resource. So I think they probably look for a way to maybe develop some sort of a station that, that has, um, you know, a, a serious delay to where you can go look at your at-bats. I'm sure they'll, they'll probably try to look at that. So it's just something that guys have gotten used to over the years. And, and the fact that they're not able to do it shows you that there were problems, obviously, um, leading up to that. So uh, it's just a it's just an animal that was created that I know that the at least the hitters are were a little frustrated with with this year. So I'm sure they probably try to look at a way to to help them out a little bit. So when you picked up one of these baseballs that you guys were using uh, in the playoffs, did it say Pro V1 or Pro V1X? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, it, it certainly looked like it in in our series. Um, you know, maybe so not so much when you look what's going on in, in Dallas, but man, it seemed like at least at Dodger stadium there, when you get the ball up in the air, it was going to go out. And even at our place against the white Sox, if you got it up in the air, it was going to go out. So it felt different. Uh, I, I don't know the, the, what the numbers say, and I'm sure they'll probably do studies on that and so forth, but it, it felt like, uh, yeah, pro VX. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, when you played. Dodger Stadium was a pitcher's park. R- remember? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you you the, at night, at least for a guy like me, you could not go out to to uh, you know the gaps in in center field. There It was just not 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 something you thought about. You really tried to have to try to hook them. It played like most of the you know the West Coast ballparks do, and all of those played smaller this year too. Whether it was over there at the Giants' place, you know, at times at our place, so. I think it was a little bit warmer this year, but Dodger Stadium was not a place as a hitter that you went into for a series and said, all right, I can pad my numbers. <laughs> it was just crazy watching that series. All right, Bob, great stuff. As always, we truly appreciate it, and we look forward to talking to you here in the off season. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk soon. Yes, sir, anytime. And that's the Bob Melvin Show brought to you by nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Once again, you go to the website, use the coupon code Oakland, and you'll get 10% off your entire order. That's bed, bedding, pillows, you name it. Go to nestbedding.com. There you have it, the Bob Melvin Show. And we will have Bob on in the offseason. We'll get him probably once a month. Check in with the skipper, see how, how he's doing. And then, of course, there may be some major news, and he'll pop on for that, too. And the same thing with David Forrest. Now, you're not going to interview the manager and the GM every single week when there's no baseball going on in the offseason. <laughs> you know, no, but that's great. I mean, the access that we have for UAs fans with these guys, you know, here you're getting the manager, you're getting the general manager, you're getting the president. I mean, this is the access you can't get anywhere else. And it's all right. And, we, and we're already... To take the curtain back, we've got some great plans for this offseason. And you're going to have a meeting of the minds on Monday after A's Cast Live. When you've got the professor, the Italian stallion, the commander, and me getting together to brainstorm the offseason... That, that's a that that's a powerhouse commission right there, Cody. It's our own winter meetings uh, that we're having here. On it's the Ace Cast winter meetings, although it's not going to be going on for days on end. It'll only be like a half an hour. But hey, 
we're still having a meeting, so that's that's good. I really wish we knew about the winter meetings. Now, obviously, baseball, the winter meetings are so – it can't be – I mean, that's a big event, so it's it's not like it's off their radar. That's a big event for them. You know, it's supposed to be in Dallas this year, and as we saw last year in San Diego, just what an event it really is. When you talk about the entire industry shows up in one place for X amount of days – and there's business being done everywhere. It's just not players and teams. There's all kinds of business being done all over. It was it was wow. I I you know, you'd always watched it on MLB Network, but until you actually see it, do you understand? Like we rolled up we t- took an Uber from San Diego Airport over to downtown. As soon as we get out of the car, there's Bobby Evans, former GM of the San Francisco Giants. Bobby, hey, what's going on? We'd love to have you on the show. I mean, it was like every 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 five steps, you're running into a who's who in Major League Baseball. And but I wonder what they're going to do. I doubt we're all heading to Dallas. I'd go though. I'll wear a mask. I'd go. It was a blast, but. Is it going to be virtual? I mean, you got to have some type of thing where you're bringing everybody together, right? Or maybe they just say, "eh." I I, I would if I had to safely assume it would be uh, it would be virtual because uh, remember the, you also have the GM meetings that happen like a month before the winter meetings happens, and I don't know. I wonder how they're going to handle that. Is that that might just be virtual? Who knows? Uh, I will do some research on the winter meetings and see what they plan on doing. If they updated that, because I know you're right, it was supposed to be in Dallas, and it's supposed to be the 6th through the 10th in Dallas this year. It doesn't say anything about virtually or not. But remember, in Texas, they're letting people in the ballpark, so maybe they are going to let people into a hotel and have the winter meetings if Major League Baseball wants to do that. But um, it has a countdown on here on the website, 50 days, 10 hours, 4 minutes, 3 seconds until the winter meetings in Dallas. I've got friends in Dallas. We could get in some good trouble in Dallas. We had fun in San Diego. We're gonna have fun anywhere we go. That, that's true. Remember, we saw AJ, Remember, we saw our good friend AJ Hinch. We saw uh, Farhan right before he made a big trade. <laughs> yeah, you're trying to track him down. All right, coming up next, Dave Cavill, the president of your Oakland Athletics, right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All righty, we're going to have the president of your Oakland Athletics, Dave Cavill, here for another edition of The Build. And once we do this interview, then the commander will cut it up and get it on A's Cast. And uh, this is where you get all these guys. You get the GM show, the manager show, the president. Find out what uh, the offseason for Dave is going to be like. As Dave is uh, no question eye on the prize, it's about getting us a new building. That's what it's all about. It's about winning. There's no doubt about it. 
Boom. There it is. The president of your Oakland Athletics, Dave Cavill, with us here for the build on A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Dave, how are you? Well, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. And, uh, you know, obviously, I wish we were still playing baseball, but, you know, I think we have a lot to be proud of from this season. You know, that's the, you know, the number one thing. And we took like well over 50 calls in the postgame show. The one thing, yeah, we're bummed that the season ended. But I think in the end, all of us in the industry are just so thankful we had a season and that we're going to have a World Series and that we got through this. Only one team's going to win. Everybody else will be disappointed. But I think for our sport, just to get through this was very, very special. It was important for the country, you know, that we were able to bring, you know, the entertainment and excitement and joy of a baseball season to Oakland and the East Bay and, and the Bay Area. And so, um, and it wasn't easy. There was a lot of moments where we thought maybe this wouldn't, it wouldn't play out and we wouldn't even have a season. And so a lot of effort went into it. Our players, our staff, the medical team, the league. And um, it was really an amazing accomplishment and one that I think we're all very proud of. Today's episode of The Build is sponsored by Mechanics Bank, the official East Bay Bank of your Oakland Athletics. You know, we had Rob Manfred on uh, during the playoffs. I said it to him. I said it to Billy Bean. I've said it to David Forrest. I've said it to Bob Melvin. And the same goes to you. You guys, we really appreciate the effort that you put out to make it so it was safe for everybody. And there had to be changes made, and I think everybody knew that. But the fact that you led this ship and this franchise, the employees, the players, the other teams, the media, everybody felt safe. You should be commended because the job that you and your staff did, and really all of baseball, was very, very special. Well, and it was a team effort. It required everyone, and it required being nimble and you know having a growth mindset to come up with new ideas to solve things and prioritizing health and wellness and and we got there and i think we all learned a lot about ourselves and the organization as part of that there's no doubt yeah and there's a lot of things that have happened in this season that i think like rule changes and expanded playoffs i think this is stuff that we're going to see put into baseball full-time would you agree Oh, I think so, too. I mean, I thought the extra inning rule with having a, a runner on second base was pretty exciting and created a lot of new energy and got people watching. So I thought that was awesome. I think the expanded postseason, I bet there'll be some form of that as well. So it was an opportunity to innovate and try new things. And I think we should learn from what worked and, and keep that going. Dave, how awesome has it been? Every single day, you turn on your television, there's a playoff baseball game. It's just been for a, for a baseball fan. It's like a dream. I, I love it actually. And you don't need to know, Oh, is it an off day? When are they playing? Is it the AL, the NIL? It's just games all the time and it keeps the pace going. And Oh yeah. I think that's been one of the best parts of this postseason. There's no doubt. And, and I think about, you know, we'll, we'll, we're not going to talk about every team, but let's just focus on the A's. So proud of our guys because I don't think people realize how tough this season was. Like for playoff games, they're having to get there like at six in the morning to get tested. They had to be in a bubble. It was just a strange. I mean, they had to quarantine in a hotel in Houston. I, you know, as much as this game is physical, if we're ever going to talk about how mentally strong you had to be, this was the year you had to be mentally strong or it would chew you up and spit you out. 
Oh, there's no doubt. And, you know, baseball players are creatures of habit. And this was the year where all the habits got thrown out of the window because you had to do a different, do it differently. And so I think the, you know, flexibility that our players showed and their positive attitude and spirit to get through that, to come up with, you know, these new operating protocols and follow them really religiously, uh, you're really to be commended for doing that. There's no, no doubt. And how about your manager? Yeah. I mean, listening to all your players, interviewing your players, and having so many of them say, we don't have the success. We don't do what we did this year without the leadership of Bob Melvin. When your own players say that, that's something really special, the guy that you have in uniform in that dugout. He did an amazing job this year under really strenuous conditions and ones that I don't think any of us ever thought would be, be happening. And I think he got the entire team playing together as a unit and got him through some really difficult times when we had some of the outbreaks, uh, the COVID outbreaks and some of the other challenges, the air quality, the travel, the hurricanes. I mean, there's so many things that, that, that life threw at us this year. And Bob was that constant, steady force that was there the entire time. And he just, I can't say enough positive things about what he did this year. Well, I know everybody is, you know, now going back to their homes and they're going to relax and recoup. But Dave Cavill doesn't stop working. So uh, the off season, there is no off season for you. What's your schedule nope. coming up? Well, we're very focused on, you know, trying to get the advanced planning for 2021 uh, to determine, you know, how we can bring fans back into the stadium. So that's a big focus for ourselves and do that in a safe way and understanding what the protocols are and getting a spring training set up. So there's a lot of contingency planning and, you know, making sure we build on the knowledge from this year. And then at, at the same token, you know, there's a lot of work on the ballpark. You know, we have, you know, five or six meetings a week with the city, with the port, with the county, finalizing legal agreements, getting the environmental impact report out, working through the community benefits process, you know, managing our real estate team of seven full-time people. You know, those are all really important tasks and ones that, are critically important for our long-term success. And, you know, that, that the energy around that doesn't stop in the off season. It just continues. You know, I, I think about when you do meetings and you do deals, you, you like to be able to look at people in the eye and have these conversations. How much has COVID-19 changed for you and everybody else that you got to deal with to, to, to get this ballpark done? Well, I think the hardest part is you can't really have the big public meetings which are necessary for approval. So we've had to kind of rejigger the schedule. And while originally we were going to get the approval this year, that wasn't really possible because of COVID. So things have flipped in the next year, but you know, that in some ways is to be expected with the challenges of having a global pandemic. And we wanted to make sure that we still made a lot of progress this year um, in a lot of facets of the approvals, but that we could bring it to a public vote of the city council sometime um, probably in mid next year. You know, so many businesses have shut down. So many businesses are not going to survive. How how does this affect Oakland, where this ballpark brings all these jobs, helps out the economy of the East Bay in Oakland? Just how important is this project to the city? I think it's more important now with COVID. You know, obviously the city has something like a $60 million budget deficit. You know, it doesn't have enough money for its social services and to fund its, you know, key city services. And so, you know, our project, you know, will bring billions of dollars to the city and $7 billion in economic impact 
And that's going to be critically important for the future of Oakland. And the fact that a baseball team can be a catalyst for all that economic activity, 6,000 permanent jobs, 3,000 construction jobs is super important and shows what, what our organization can mean to Oakland and, and to the entire region. And of course, what, what, what you guys have done inside the community. Talk about how much, uh, you know, the A's have reached out and truly tried to embrace the East Bay, Oakland, and be there during, be there for this community in these tough times. Well, we've, we've tried to really focus on community first this year and, you know, ensuring that we were partnered with the Alameda County Food Bank to deal with food insecurity. And we partnered with the African-American Chamber of Commerce to help Black-owned businesses that were really being hurt hard um, by not being able to operate in the COVID times. And so all these types of things and raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for these causes and doing things like the cutouts as a fundraiser as opposed to something that was just to, you know, make money for ourselves were really important gestures to solidify and kind of reinforce the commitment to, to Oakland. I got to tell you, in the end, like I, I, I remember when Matt Pearl contacted me saying, we need a picture. And I'm thinking, well, you're yeah. cutouts. And I'm like, and then now you think when we watch games of stadiums that didn't have cutouts, you're like, why didn't they do this? This was a brilliant idea. Oh, yeah. It, it added so much atmosphere, I think. And our fans, I thought, did such a good job in the way they crafted the different ideas. And they have the pet section and the foul ball section where people got the foul balls. And so it was just really fun. And have some of the characters, whether it was former players like Coco Chris or you know, uh, the Banjo Man or Tom Hanks. All those things were great in terms of having a little bit of character and kind of feel in a season that was so very, very different. You had Charlie O, Charlie o the mule. <laughs> and we had it right behind the visiting team. How great was that? <laughs> I mean, they had to be turning around going, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah, they had, they had it next to the ass. So that was kind of a funny thing. So yeah, well, and I remember on CSN California, you were doing the interview out with the uh, cutouts, and then following you on Twitter, it's like you got all around the cutouts. Oh yeah, I was I was all over the place, and uh, I watched from a lot of different vantage points. But I will say, I greatly prefer to watch with our real fans and have interactions with them and tell stories. and And I'm really looking forward to the day where we can bring the people back. That's going to be a great moment for our community, for the Coliseum. And I think, you know, one thing we learned this year was how important it is to have the fans there and what they mean to this organization and to our business. Yeah, it's something that I, I, I hate complaining about it because you just sound like a poor loser. But boy, you put 50,000 people in the ballpark screaming at the Astros. It's a, it's a, whole, it's a whole different dynamic. Yeah, and also, you know, I think in playing at Dodger Stadium in a day game when it was like 100 degrees, I mean, the ball was like shooting out of there like a rocket ship. So, I mean, you know, I think the environment in Oakland, you know, a little more pitcher-friendly, the marine layer, I think was maybe a little more conducive, and we were more used to it, you know. So that wasn't meant to be this year, but obviously we, we love having the Coliseum um, as that advantage, and, and, and we'll have that obviously in future years. Yeah, I asked Bob today uh... – on the side of the ball, did it say Pro V1 or Pro V1X? It felt like it. I mean, seriously, it was like that. They were going like 400 yards, you know, it was like crazy. Yeah. 
So uh, something we haven't talked about, and we'll end on this, is the Coliseum site. Where are we with the Coliseum site with the A's? Well, you know, we own half of it now. So that deal was finalized on the 5th of October. And so, you know, the county share officially transferred to the A's, which is a huge step. And now we're working with the city to try to buy the other half. Um, but even ahead of even buying the city's half, we might be able to start operating um, or, or being more involved in its operations. So I think it, it really bodes well for um, the existing operations at the Coliseum before we open the new building and our efforts in Oakland at large to ensure that you know we have success in the East as well. And so we're really happy to achieve that really big milestone and want to continue to work with the city to finalize their share and uh, you know obviously own the entire property. So does this mean when we're able to actually gather together that maybe we could put the old basketball floor down and have like a three-point shooting contest? We can do, yeah, we can have a slam. Why don't you and I do a slam dunk contest? See how that works out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I can touch the net, maybe, maybe. I'll lower lower the rim. I'll lower the rim. Okay, then I'm down. Uh, Let's end on this. I, I brought this up earlier in the show. I kind of like the early start times. And I remember when we were back in Cleveland, they had early start times. I don't know why we start at 7.07. Has there been any thought in baseball about maybe starting games a little bit earlier so, you know, younger kids can stay up and watch the uh, entire game? Is there any, any talks about that? You know, I think we need to explore that. You know, I think the reason it had been later was twofold. One, some of the TV ratings later at night is better. Um, but also for people to get off work and get to the game, they needed more time. So now with COVID or even post-COVID, where maybe more people would work from home, I think there's a little more flexibility counting in how those game times could be established and it could be more accessible to more people, which would be more inclusive and something that we would definitely support. Well, I got to tell you, for for Cody and myself, we can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for A's cast and A's cast live and supporting us and, and just keep talking baseball, keep talking A's, keep entertaining because uh, our fan base needs it. And the reason why we've kept this ship rolling is because of you. So we can't thank you enough. Well, you guys have done an incredible job and you kept the home fires burning. And I think it's just been a great uh, venue for our fans to interact and incredible job. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much, and it's going to be a wild off season, and we'll continue to do the build and keep people updated on uh, how progress is going with the new ballpark. So be safe, and we'll talk soon. Take care, guys. Dave Cavill, the president of your Oakland Athletics. See, Cody, I've been predicting there are certain things that have happened this year that people are going to realize, yeah, this is good, and maybe earlier baseball games. I'm more excited to see you and Calvo in a slam dunk contest. I mean, let's be real. The, once, once, that, once that challenge was laid out by Calvo, I'm like, we, we have to do something with this now. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I, I couldn't even, like, you know, like some people, oh, I, I, can dunk a, I can dunk a tennis ball, right? At least you have that feeling of being able to get up that high. Listen, for me as an athlete, I was good at one thing. And that was throwing an object, whether it was a baseball or a football playing quarterback in high school. There's one thing I can do. I can throw an object really far and really hard. 
Other than that, I'm not fast. I can't jump. I just, I just, it just, I mean, I played hoops, but I, I, when I, when I played hoops in high school, yeah, I was shooting threes. I'm not surprised. And, 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 and if there was a guy quicker than me that I had to defend, I was in trouble. I need, I needed backside help. Let me tell you. Yeah, you're I'm just not, but I, what, but I did run the option. I pitched it a lot cause I didn't want to get hit, but I did run the option at times in high school. But my, uh, my primary skill has always been throwing a baseball or football very far and very hard. Other than that, that's where golf, you don't have to run in golf. You can be in a, uh, you can be in a cart, have a few beers. That's why it's a sport for me. Uh, well, I don't golf, so you guys can have fun with that. I mean, we went to Top Golf in Vegas, and that was a lot of fun, but I, I just haven't got around to fully uh, participating in the, the sport of golf. I love watching it. And I understand how it works. I understand the scoring. So I understand everything about golf. I just, I don't go out there and do it. You know why Cabell wants to do a slam dunk contest? Because he's he's got me by what? He's a tall I'm guy. Talking, he is tall. He's like six four, isn't he? Like six four, maybe. Yeah, he's well, he's much taller than I am, and I'm taller than you. So, yeah, he's he's over six, probably over six two. Yeah, that's why he probably he. You know what? He probably could dunk back in the day. Well, and, and let, let's let's call a spade a spade. He's a couple. He, he's a few years uh, and a few miles less than you have on you right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he's got way more tread on the tire than me. What is he? Uh, he's probably like four or five years younger than me. Yeah, I think he's early forties. If I had a guess, I don't. He's it's uh, according to Wikipedia, he'll be forty-five at the end of this month. So it'll be Stanford against San Jose State in the worst slam dunk contest in the history of basketball. Well, they're both kind of on been on rough basketball terms and when it comes to college basketball. So maybe this slam dunk contest would revive one of those programs going forward for the was it the Mountain West or the Pac-12? Okay, the uh, number number one thing I heard there. Number one thing for me. And I want everybody to remember this. Yes, all the stuff about COVID, keeping people healthy, that's very, very important. Yes, now owning half of the Coliseum property, very, very important. Slam dunk, slam dunk contest, not very important. Number one thing I heard there from the president of your Oakland Athletics is the reality. Oakland needs this. There's been people who have said, Oakland doesn't need it with, with, I'm telling you, as someone who's in the restaurant business, restaurants and bars employ more people than any other industry in California. And do you know how many of those are going away? You know how hard it is to keep, I mean, bars aren't open. There's some bars that have some patio stuff. I mean, I'm talking about like where we live, Santa Clara County, which is the largest county in the Bay Area with the most people. And Alameda County's like this also. You know how many of these, these businesses are going to go under? You know how bad Oakland is going to need some kind of stimulus? Oakland needs this project. There's all kinds of projects that were scheduled for inside the city of Oakland that have either been put on hold or just canceled altogether. Did you hear that deficit he talked about? 
it's going to be real hard if you're one of these city council people or whatever you are in politics to be able to say, no, we don't need that project. It's going to be like, what? These cities are in major trouble. San Francisco, Oakland, Los Angeles, New York. New York City is facing billions in deficits coming up here. Billions. A lot of cities are in trouble. A new ballpark, that's jobs. That's construction. That's putting people to work. That's putting money in people's pockets. How are you not for that? You got a better idea? That's the number one thing I took away right there from Dave Cavill. Once again, today's episode of The Build is sponsored by Mechanics Bank, the official East Bay bank of your Oakland Athletics. He's the right guy. He's the right. He got it done down here. People thought he was crazy down in San Jose getting the earthquake stadium. He made it happen. He's a doer. That, that's the kind of guy you need to get a tough project done. Someone that's just not going to take no. Someone that's just going to keep fighting no matter what you throw at him. You can throw him the most wicked stuff. He keeps fouling it off till he gets his pitch and gets a base hit. That's the kind of guy Dave Cavill is. That's why they brought him from the earthquakes to the A's. To get this project done. And unfortunately, like he said, COVID-19 means you can't have large gatherings. You can't, you know, there's just, it can't be business as usual. And that's why we got to hope some type of real therapeutic, you know, something that, you know, you get it, take this, and it'll kill it. Because this thing lingers into next year, you know, it puts everybody's business back. And I want to believe that we're going to have spring training. I want to believe that we're going to have first pitch. Like I was looking at the schedule the other day. I was at the dentist and they go, where are you going to be in six months? Well, I can look at the baseball schedule and the schedule's out, but there's no times. They just have the schedule out. Let's see. How do the A's, let me go to the ML, my, my MLB app. Look at the schedule. How does it lead off next year? The 2021 schedule. Uh, we, the A's are at home against the Houston the Astros. The Houston Astros. We get to finally get to get these. Wow. How about this for a first homestand? Houston, and then the L.A. Dodgers. And then and then your first road trip, you go to Houston. <laughs> you know, folks, let's just hope we can be in the ballpark, pack 50,000 strong, opening day, April 1st, and just ride these cowards. Hey, you know what, Correa? Hey, no, no doubt you're a terrific player. No doubt you guys are winning. But if you think this erases that you're a cheater, no, you're a cheater. You're a cheater. That's never leaving you in your career. Jose Altuve, that's never leaving you. Bregman, never leaving you. Josh Reddick, never leaving you. 
You can win the next 10 World Series. And if you say, see, we didn't need to do it, then why did you do it? It makes it even worse. If you didn't need to cheat to win, why did you even do it in the first place? And you know why? Because you're a cheater. Once you cheat, that stain never leaves. You're a cheater. That's never changing. That's never, ever, ever changing. That will be on your resume forever. So quit with this. See how good we are? See? No, you're still a cheater. 2017's on the phone. It's not going anywhere. And we know you're cheating in 18 and 19. Stop it. But go ahead. Keep popping off because guess what? The minute, the minute, the minute fans are back in the ballpark, you guys are toast. Who was telling us? Someone told us. I can't remember. Someone told us that an old friend of ours there in spring training in Florida noticed something. He noticed their guys, their cheaters, they hardly played. I didn't know that. I don't think a lot of people know that. That basically guys like Bregman and Altuve, they'd get like one at bat and be out of the game. Because every single time, even in their home ballpark in spring training, people were yelling at them. These guys, by the end of spring training, they were done. No fans saved them. But it won't save them now. Well, well, I don't know. We'll see. These guys will get their, at some point, trust me, they're going to get it. This isn't going away. And you know what? It might even make it worse. It might even make it, just the fact to watch them being successful might even make it worse for them next year when fans are in the ballpark. Judgment Day is coming. I guarantee you that on the Houston Astros. Coming up next, the play-by-play voice of the Los Angeles Dodgers. We are going to speak with Joe Davis, who, if the series in Texas goes seven games, will be on the national call for Joe Buck. We'll talk to him next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Give you a little update from San Diego. Game six, it's win or go home for the Astros as Tampa leads the series three to two. We are scoreless through one. Come on, Rays. Seriously, in this thing. Is today the day, Cody, that the Astros finally go home? It's going to be tough because they got Framber Valdez on the mound, and he's been. Now, how long is he going to go? I know, but it's just crazy to think that he's their best starting pitcher right now. And when we get to buying or selling, there is a Zach Greinke question in there, and there's some audio I'll play. But uh, it's crazy to think that Valdez is the guy that they keep banking on more than anybody in that rotation. And he's he was pretty much an unknown guy coming into this year. He was mainly a bullpen piece, so. Him versus Snell is going to be good. And then, you know, in the Braves-Dodgers game, you got A.J. Minter, who hasn't started the game since college at Texas A&M, going up against uh, Dustin May, Ginger Guard. Ginger Guard on the mound tonight. They're going to ride him as long as they can. <laughs> Son, 
Go out there and give me seven. All righty. Earlier today, we caught up with the TV play-by-play man for the Los Angeles Dodgers and also does games on Fox. And if there is a game seven, he will be doing it because Joe Buck's going to go do football. He'll be on Fox game seven with John Schmoltz. Uh, Smoltz. Here is Joe Davis from the L.A. Dodgers. Joe, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. And, and the Dodgers, their backs definitely up against the wall. Yeah, yeah, Chris. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I mean, it, you get into the 2-0 deficit, and honestly, I still felt pretty good about their chances. Uh, they, You know, game three, they win, obviously, with the outburst and the first inning. And it was amazing how the narrative kind of shifted at that point, where the Braves were up 2-1, but it almost felt like the Braves were down in the series and that the Dodgers with their 11 run outbursts in the first inning and their 15 runs over the first three innings in game three had like won the series just for that stretch. But very quickly, you know, the Braves kind of put them back in their place and now they've got to win three in a row. You know, I only get to watch so many Atlanta Braves games during the year and especially in a shortened season, you know, we focus so much out West that, you know, whatever was happening in the Central or the East, you know, you'd see the highlights. But, man, the thing that really has played for the Atlanta Braves, and I want to know if you've seen this, is that their athleticism. This is a really athletic team. Athletic and fun, and they hit for power. I think especially offensively, it's really impressive up and down the lineup. You've got a guy like Acuna at the top of it who does everything well. Freddie Freeman might be one of the top two or three just pure hitters in the sport. And then Ozuna, who almost won a triple crown. I mean, there's no better offseason signing than Marcel Ozuna with what he's done for that lineup. You talk about the athleticism, you get down to the bottom of it, you know, starting in the middle of it with a guy like Ozzy Albies, who can take extra bases and is a very aggressive base runner. They've got more speed in there with Christian Pache, the rookie. So, I mean, a little bit of everything, the athleticism, but some sock and just some overall good hitters in there, too. Well, tonight you got Ginger Guard going. This guy's stuff is just, I mean, to, to watch to watch a guy get up on the mound and throw with that kind of velocity, that kind of movement. You know, back in the day, if you ever saw somebody doing that, they'd be grunting and throwing his heart. I mean, it's just effortless coming out of his arm. It's just, I know. it's insane. I mean, how much fun is it to watch this kid pitch? It's awesome. You hit the nail on the head. It's so effortless. And then you're looking at the 101, kind of similar to Bruce Star Gratterall coming out of the Dodger bullpen, where it's like, how in the world is that triple digits with the ease that it looks like they're delivering it with? And he, I know you guys here talk about the concept of tunneling, having multiple pitches come out of the same tunnel. He does that at an elite level with his two seam fastball that dives one way and his cutter and his slider that dive the other. So he's somebody that, you know, it's a game five starter, but the Dodgers feel about as good about him as you could somebody coming into game five. You know, we've been very critical of umpires, and we know at some point an electric strike zone is going to be in Major League Baseball. But like, like with some of these kids that you mentioned that are throwing 100, 101, getting all the way up to 103, I can't imagine how tough that would be to call balls and strikes. The ball is on you hmm. so fast, and you have to make that decision so fast. I just talk about how hard it is just to be an umpire today because of the for just not the hitters got to deal with it, the umpire. Yeah, that's a great point. I like I said, I hadn't really thought much about that. But how, how about you combine that with twenty mile per hour winds whipping around in that place last night? I can't imagine that was easy 
on the umpires. We saw the hitters complaining about it, drying their eyes out, and, um, kind of wreaking havoc after they'd opened the roof. But I don't imagine that was easy on umpires either, seeing 101 plus the wind. No, and and the win, I I researched it, and I know the LA Times uh, did something on it about how it was about COVID. If they're going to have fans yeah. in the ballpark, they there could be potential particles. Uh, I, I I guess wind was something they said it would help clear it out, whatever. But uh, it, I believe it was the LA Times, right, the report that the reason why baseball had it open it was because of fans and COVID-19. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? I mean, because outside of that, it's like, what are we doing? Let's close the roof. People are having this many issues playing the game. But, yeah, I think that they would kind of said going in, this is what we're going to do because it provides the safest environment possible. And I understand that. So, got to get the game today, not only to keep the Dodgers alive, but we got to get you on on the national broadcast for Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess I have uh, multiple rooting interests in this thing getting to seven. First of all, being a guy that covers the Dodgers, I'd love to see them extend it to a game seven. And then, yeah, getting a chance to call a game seven on national TV would be a dream come true. So uh, I, I'm very much invested in seeing this thing get to seven. You know, the one thing that has just plagued the Los Angeles Dodgers is getting those 27 outs. And just lately, just the bullpen – you know, Blake Trinan's a hell of a guy, you know, former A, we love him. Kenley mm-hmm. Jansen, obviously his stuff is not the same. You mentioned Gratterall. I mean, it's just, you know, that has been their problem, has been the bullpen. Is it hard to believe that we're still dealing with this with so much talent on that Dodger team? Yeah, I mean, they had the best bullpen in the National League in the regular season statistically, and I say statistically, but I think to the eye test too, just so many good options down there. And then you get into October, and it's kind of looking like it has in years past, where it's been good during the regular season, but for one reason or another, hasn't produced in the same way uh, once the postseason rolls around. So I, I wish I could put my finger on it, and I know the Dodgers wish they could too, but uh, on the verge of it being a very similar tune, very similar tone uh, with the way the season ends if they can't win three in a row here. You know, obviously we know with COVID-19 and really no fans, how much that's benefited certain teams. I think everybody agrees how that really benefited the Houston Astros, uh, that they weren't taking the grief every single plate appearance, every single game. And then I think, you know, like in this series, young players, how much do you think it's benefited the young players that they don't have that natural playoff on the road, fan base going nuts, that they don't have to deal with that. Do you think that's really helped young players so far in this postseason? For sure. I think young players, and then I think there are certain veteran players that probably benefited from it. Um, Hard for me to to point to exactly who that may be, but I'm sure there are certain guys who really thrive with the crowd and feed off of that, but I'm sure there are some others who – have found out that they're a little bit better without that pressure. And I would think that you're spot on with saying a lot of the young players probably benefit the most from it, where it's just one less thing to, uh, to feel pressure from. There's enough pressure knowing you're debuting in the majors and you're a young guy in the majors. But when you got 50,000 people breathing down your neck at some of these parks, that's a whole other layer to it that they, uh, they've been able to not have to deal with and kind of ease into things, relatively speaking. You know, I can go right now to the homepage of MLB.com. I I don't think this is fair, 
but it's right on the right side. It says, debate, is Kershaw a playoff choker? I, I think that's kind of harsh. What do you think about this criticism going up against one of the, you know, truly one of the great pitchers of his time? Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah, I, I disagree with it. Um, I think that you, there, like John Smoltz and Joe Buck have talked about, there are a few um, innings throughout his long postseason career that have skewed the overall numbers some. Now, the the counter to that is an outing like last night, right? He's good through five and then gives up a few in the sixth and takes the loss, right? So it's hard to argue against that. But to call him a choker, I mean, there have been many, many stellar outings, many, many Clayton Kershaw-esque outings in the postseason, too. I think it's one of those things, Chris, where until he wins one and unless he wins one, that's going to be what the narrative is. And, and narratives are hard to shake once they get going. And and you can make an argument that that is the case, given the numbers throughout, you know, the, the overall numbers throughout his career. Um, and I think the only way that he shakes that narrative, right or wrong, is by getting a World Series. Let's end on this. H- how you feeling about uh, down in San Diego, Rays and Astros, the walk-off jack by Correa, and now that series is 3-2. Uh, the pressure kind of seems like it may shift a little bit over to Tampa Bay. How you see in the uh, ALCS? Yeah, I agree with you on that. It's like it's crazy. It goes from man, can the Astros keep it alive another night? To yeah, I think the pressure is on the Rays. Um, it would be it would be fascinating to watch a Dodger Astro World Series, wouldn't it? I know both those teams are down in their respective series, but. If they were both able to come back, boy, that would be a uh, a series layered with stories. That's for sure. I I don't know. It's it's really hard to to win four games in a row, especially against a team that can match up the way Tampa Bay can. So I'm surprised that it's still going, and I would be surprised if the Astros finished to come back. And I mean, I'm not going out on a limb saying that, right? It's been a long time since the team you know got to go back to 2004 and the ALCS to find a team erasing the 3-0 deficit. So it's impressive that they're still in it. I will be shocked if they're able to finish off the uh, the comeback to win the series. Well, I think you know how our fan base feels about the Astros, and we were like the first team to actually turn them in to Major League Baseball. But (laughs) I loved your guys' fan fest. I love the way your guys took shots at them. I mean, that's how we all feel. And and I really like how, you know, big-time players – came out at your guys' fan fest and really laid it on the Astros because, man, they've gotten off easy. Yeah, it was amazing. Not just Dodger players, but in spring training, it was like the whole sport was unified against the Astros and their players. And rarely do you see that inside the fraternity, guys going after their own. But I guess it goes to show you how deep the cuts were. Hey, we appreciate the time and good luck to your Dodgers. And hopefully we're seeing you on national television. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I, you always root for a game seven, but I'm thinking about him. You get to call game seven of the NLCS on national television. I don't know, kind of a big deal. Uh, especially for a team that you worked for all season, so the team you know better than anyone that's going to do the national broadcast. Uh, I would hope I'd like to see it. I mean, nothing against Joe Buck. I actually like Joe Buck. We went over this whole discussion the other day, but to hear Joe Davis and John Smoltz call the game, would you got a Dodger guy and a Braves guy calling the national game? I, I, I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, you mean Boston Red Sox, John Smoltz? I mean St. Louis Cardinal.
<laughs> Maybe that's why Buck and him get along so well, because Buck's a big Cardinals guy, and Smoltz played for them for a little while. I don't know how you don't like John. John's a, a wonderful guy. I've never heard anybody say anything. He's got a great personality. He's fun. He knows how to break down the game. He's really smart. I don't know how you don't like John Smoltz. Uh, he's also a uh, scratch golfer, apparently. Scratch so. golfer. Hey, can you imagine back in the day rolling around with the Braves? And what are you going to tell those guys not to play golf when they're winning 20 games every year? And literally, they would play. They've played all the great courses in America. All the top country clubs. They've played them all. I mean, it was just a, a lifestyle that they were all making money. They're winning every year. I mean, they didn't win as much as they wanted. I mean, if they would have had two, three, four, five World Series. But what a life that those guys had. They were making millions. I'm sure the real estate in Atlanta isn't like uh, California or New York. Uh, no. I have no idea what the taxes are in Georgia, but it ain't here. Yeah, and those you, guys, those guys those guys were those guys were living a dream. Yeah, and, and and funny you mentioned the big those guys, especially Greg Maddox. Now this ties in with Clayton Kershaw. And I found this earlier. Kershaw now has eleven career postseason starts, and this ties back to our conversation with well, Joe Davis, where he was talking about Kershaw oh, yeah. being a he choker. He has more than eleven postseason. Starts. No, no, he has eleven career postseason starts, allowing four or more runs, tying Greg Maddox for second most in postseason history. Can you guess who's number one? Number one. Fellow lefty. I'll give you that. He's a fellow lefty. So, I mean, he had to be in the postseason a lot. Yep. Um, steroid uh, user, I guess. Yeah, he was, right? Yeah. Uh, I would go Andy Pettit. That is correct. Andy Pettit did ah! it. Fif Fifteen times Andy Pettit. Had postseason starts with four more runs. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, what I was almost thinking Whitey Ford because it's got to be somebody. Whenever you get into like these types of questions, it's somebody that pitched a ton in the postseason. Yeah, like when you think, like, who's the greatest home run hitter? Well, it's Babe Ruth or Bonds or Aaron, but they didn't play in that many games to where. Who's got the most postseason home runs all time? Isn't it Manny? It's Manny. Well, he played in a bazillion games. Oh yeah, the Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox had a had a nice little team there when he was playing. And Cleveland. Cleveland, and Cleveland was good. Yeah. Cleveland was you good think too. Of all, the, all the all the playoff games he played in Cleveland. Wasn't he on a Dodger playoff team? Yeah, uh, Manny would. Uh, that was before he went to the A's when the, he was with the Dodgers. There's How one. Many, I, I mean, I wonder. I, you know what? Let let me. Uh, all right, play the, get ready for buying or selling. I'll well, look it up. Th there's one other Kershaw one I'll give you, too. And when it comes to inherited runners, um, Kershaw's postseason ERA after last night is now 4.31. Now, his postseason ERA, if none of the batters left on base when he removed from an in-inning appearance uh, had never scored, his postseason ERA would be 3.55. So, great research. That one I got from Sarah, the great Sarah Langs, at S. Langs on sports on Twitter. So she had that. So a big difference in his postseason ERA with runners on if they didn't score from when he when he's in. But you know, he, he also has another one too. Um I, I have a lot of Kershaw numbers. He has a lot of at least one home run in eighteen postseason outings, tied with Justin Verlander for second most all time. Can you guess who has uh who's number one? 
For what? Po- okay, Kershaw's allowed at least one home run in 18 postseason outings, tied him with Justin Verlander for second most all time. So in, in 18 postseason outings, he's allowed at least one home run. There's only one guy ahead of him. Can you guess who it is? The guy is 21. He gave up a home run. It's 21 postseason outings. Not straight, just allowed in in postseason outings. Righty or lefty? Lefty. I'll go Tom Glavin on this one. The great Andy Pettit is the answer again. Ah. How many games? Dude, Manny played in... Manny played in three playoff series. No, excuse me. Manny played in four playoff series with the Dodgers. This is crazy. How many playoff games do you think Manny played in? So he had the Indians. I went to the World Series in 97. It started in 95 with the Indians. Okay. And it goes all the way to 2009 with the Dodgers. Uh, He would have played in 95. He played in 111 playoff games. That's a lot of baseball games in the playoffs. Dude, he got 493 plate appearances. It's almost a season. He almost played a full season. He played in four World Series, two National League Championship Series, six American League Championship Series, nine ALDSs, and two NLDSs. He basically had a career. His, his whole his whole career is postseason. So he played in 11, 111 career postseason games. Trick question: yeah. How many playoff games has Mike Trout played in? Three. Three, and he didn't win one of them. All right, buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Well, since we went over all the Kershaw numbers and all that, I had a Kershaw question, but I'm going to skip that one because we did plenty of Kershaw right there. So one player is having a tremendous postseason is Rays outfielder Randy Arozarena. He was a part. Oh. Of, he was a part of the trade last offseason that sent Matthew Libertori, no relation to the Italian selling Joey Libertori, our cohort here at the A's, to the Cardinals for Jose Martinez. And he was also in the deal. Arozarena wasn't even playing to start the season. He played in 23 games. And hit 281. Well, in the postseason, he's a completely different player. He's on pace to break Derek Jeter's record for most hits by rookie, 22. He has six homers in the postseason. That's third most in Rays postseason history. And has has makings of being a future star for the Rays in the outfield that we mentioned earlier with Austin Meadows, Kiermaier, Manuel Margot, and Mike Trout uh, doppelganger Hunter Renfro. We've seen guys break out in the postseason and become stars in baseball. In the next season, K-Rod comes to mind, David Price and others. Sean Murphy could be a guy who was great for the A's this postseason and be great next year, although he had a great September as well. Buying or selling, Randy Rosarena will be a star in 2021. Huh. I'm going to sell. Like, this just could be a time in your life where just like everything's clicking. Is he going to be this good? Is he going to be a star? I'm going to sell. I, I, uh, odds are he won't. By the way, was he a COVID guy? I want I I want to say yes, but I, I'm going to double check to make sure that we're not and uh, we're we're not doing our due diligence to check. But I I want to say well, there's no, something because he, he went on. I, I think he was on the COVID IL. 
Uh, let's see. Yeah, he was on the COVID IL. You're correct. Okay. Just wanted to make sure we were right on that without, without false reporting because, you know, people like to just uh, get, put all this stuff out there about how people had something. But, yeah, he did have it and he came off. Like the end of August is when he came back. And like I said, I'm he, rooting. I, I, I'm, you know what? Scratch that. I'm buying. I'm rooting for this kid. He's fun to watch. He is. And uh, he, he looks it's, like. It's very, you know what? It's very tough to say whether a guy's going to be a star because, you know, yeah, right now, but he's not like the biggest guy. I mean, how big is he? See, I'll look right now. I'm going to pull up his page. 5'11. Eh, I don't know. He's 25. He'll be 26 in February. So he's still young. The thing with yeah, him, you though. Gotta, you, it's so t- You got to do it. I mean, because you, you didn't say a good player. You said a star player. Yeah, well, for the Rays, they, you know, their star player is Brandon Lau, and he's like, he's having an awful, awful postseason. Yeah. And it's crazy. I think coming into this game, every Rays player was hitting under 200, except for Rosarena, who was hitting like 400 in the postseason and hitting over almost 400 in this series. The uh, I'm, I'm going to give up on him. I'm going to sell because he grounded out today, already in his first at bat. So he's a bust. He will not be a star next year. Let's move on because uh, the Rosarena train is this runs over. Now, these playoffs have been great. Uh, my Miami Marlins made it to the NLDS but lost the playoff series for the first time in franchise history. They have a good young core, and their starters are going to carry them for many years to come. Sixto Sanchez, Sandy Alcantara, and others. And Don, Donnie Baseball is doing a nice job with them, but it's hard not to notice by one thing. By the thing. way, I just, I just, I'm glad you just said that. I'm sorry to interrupt. Remember we were talking about names? Yeah. Alcantara. Didn't we have Alcantara? Yes. Remember that? Yes, that was the, we were talking about that on Wednesday. I remember you bringing that up. Yes. Yeah, we're like, so like guys will have the exact same spelling of the exact same name, but yet they pronounce it differently. Yeah, Urias is one too. There's Urias from the from the Dodgers, and then it's Arias from the the Brewer second baseman. It's, there's, but yeah, you were talking about Alcantara and Alcantara. Like that's that's one. But um, it's hard not to notice one thing about the Marlins. Uh, it's the what could have, you know, who could have been, and what could have been for their outfield. Three guys they traded were part of these playoffs. 2018 NL MVP Christian Yelich, Marcel Ozuna, the big star for the Braves last night, and Giancarlo Stanton, who hit more balls that haven't landed than any other player in the playoffs so far. No offense to the Marlins' curling outfielders because, well, besides Corey Dickerson, they, they're not really that great yet. They have Starling Marte, but he's a free agent. But those guys are stars, and the Marlins clearly made a mistake letting them go too soon. Story of that franchise. Buying or selling the Marlins would have won the World Series with Stanton, Yelich, and Ozuna. Wait, say that again? The Marlins would have won a World Series with Yelich, Stanton, and Ozuna. If they were still there with these guys pitching? Yeah. I mean, I'm selling. I mean, that's – I mean, that's wow. – I don't even know if John Carlo would have been healthy. That's true. Well, I mean, you, it's a foregone conclusion. He's probably going to get hurt next year. Maybe He might and have started healthy. Uh, when, when Yelich was in Miami, he didn't hit home runs. Yeah, that's true. He had that one year where he hit like 13 or something. Man, just saying. All right, let's get to the last one before we run out of time. In game four of the ALCS, it was the first time both pitchers went six innings in the playoffs. Zach Greinke was great for the Astros. He went six innings, allowed two runs, and struck out seven. He got his first postseason win since 2015 when he pitched for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, Greinke spoke after the game, and I'm going to play his – his cut here so we can so you can hear it. 
Uh, here's Zach Granke uh, after the game talking to reporters. I was just saying it was nice having someone have confidence in me because, uh, I mean, since I've been been here, they haven't seemed to have confidence in my ability. So it was nice having having uh, having that happen in an important time like that. Zach, you mentioned a couple times about the importance of them showing confidence in you and maybe that it hasn't happened in the past. Are you talking a little bit about Game 7 last year? Because Game 7, you were rolling along and had to come out early. Has that stuck with you since then? Uh, I mean, that was one example, but there's probably a dozen examples if you look back at it. So, so that was Granky. So he talked about Game 7 last year in the World Series. He only went. He shut the Nationals down for six and a third innings with a low pitch count. Reliever Will Harris, Will Harris, who now pitches for the Nationals, entered the game, and Howie Kendrick poked a two-run homer off the right field foul pole, propelling the Nationals to the championship. Granke said the sequence is one of the lack of confidence instances which he alluded to. So the same thing kind of happened the other day for the Astros. Buying or selling, the Houston Astros don't believe in Zach Granke. Buying. I mean, look, look, look at game one against Minnesota. I mean, let's be honest. He went, what, four innings, gave up one run, and you're pulling him? Yeah, I didn't get it, but. Don't, don't. I didn't get it at all. I was like, this is your guy. You traded for him. You're paying him the big bucks. You let Cole walk. He goes four innings. He's only given one run, and you take him out? I, I, I'm all with Grinky on that one. Yeah, actually, you know, we have time for one more because this one's kind of a uh, – it's a little – it's funny and scary at the same time. We have no idea what the offseason will look like this year. I followed I followed the NHL, what they've done this offseason, and we mentioned Joe Thornton signing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But they've given out a lot of major contracts after the pandemic, but they also had a season before the shutdown happened as well. But one of the biggest free agents in 2022 is Francisco Lindor, so he's one year left on his deal. We went over his comments last week. Now, Anthony Castrovince of MLB.com did an article on the seven best trade destinations for Lindor. He, here's a list. Mets, Angels, Cardinals, Phillies, Reds, Dodgers, Yankees. The Mets make the most sense because if Steve Cohen gets approved, he'll want to make a big splash getting a big-name player to come to the Mets. The Angels need pitching, but you never know. They always do the opposite of what they need. And the Dodgers scare me, but so do the Yankees. Buying or selling, Francisco Lindor will be playing in Los Angeles next season. I'm selling that because you, you've got the you got Bellinger. You're gonna have to pay Bellinger. I mean, you're gonna have to Bellinger. I mean, you're gonna get Mookie three hundred something million. What are you gonna get Bellinger? Yeah, well, he speaking of Bellinger, he's really struggling in the uh, in the NLCS hitting 188. But the question said L.A., so that could be the Angels as well. Technically, the oh! Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. There's no. <laughs> They need a shortstop, but there's no way. Come on. Yeah, I don't know. If, he, if they got him. That's too much money. That, that's just so much money. Um, that's so much money in, in, in position players. And by the way, why is everybody – why is everybody want to get off the Corey Seager train? Uh, he's been their best player in the postseason. Yeah, like what everybody's always like, well, you know, you can trade Seeger for Lindor and Seeger could immediately be the Indian shortstop. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, what's wrong with this guy? I, I know he had the Tommy John. He had Tommy John, right? That was the issue with him. Yeah, he had Tommy John surgery. Yeah, I mean, I, I just looked it up. 
He's hitting 324. It's pretty good. Uh, in this series. Do you, do you want a highlight before we end the show? I'm going to play highlight. Oh, no, no. Here. He's hitting 324, three bombs, 11 RBIs, with over a 1,106 uh, 1, OPS in nine games in the postseason. You want to get rid of that guy? I yeah. don't know, man. All right, here's how we'll end the show. I like the Mets call, though. That's I mean, if this big money guy's rolling in and he's got six billion dollars or whatever he's worth, and they want to, they want to, they want, they're going to want to splash. Why not Lindor in New York? Because that's the thing. You're in the same market as the Yankees. Yeah, and well, they're they they could go after him too. I mean, maybe they give up on Glaber Torres, but uh, end of end of two innings at Petco. And this happened. El Cid. That ball's hit hard into left center field. That is going to shoot the gap. And to the wall it goes. Lau can run. He's around third on his way to the plate. And he will score. one nothing. Rays baseball going to the third. Cashy. Cashy going to get it done. Rays and the Braves in the 2020 World Series. Hey, remember how everybody was like, all right, I don't like all these different teams getting under the world. Oh, there's going to be, you know, you could have a team under five. You're going to have the number one seed against the, well, knock on wood. You're going to have the number one seed in the American League against the number two seed in the National League. That's called chalk, Cody. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to this World Series, but uh, we're out of time for today. So what I wanted to seek that in at the end. There's no Liberty. There's no Davidson. There's no, no, but there's no Cinderella. George Mason, no Cinderella in this tournament. No, uh, you're, you're telling me Butler's not coming out of uh, back-to-back years making a title game with Gordon Hayward? Pepperdine isn't in the tourney, baby. All right, that will do it for A's Cast Live. We'll be back. We get to our regular off-season programming starting on Monday. We'll be on Monday and we'll be on Thursday breaking down. That's game one. No, that won't be game one of the game World Series. Game one's Tuesday. Game one's Tuesday. We'll be getting you ready for the World Series. How about that? Have a great weekend, Cody. You too. Stay safe, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.